0: Welcome everyone to Dablu's Fingers, episode 146. A debt, a loot. This is Scatty, and with me, as always, is my buddy Matt.
1: Hey, this episode today we'll cover the chapters, uh, chapter 46 through 52, namely that's the ever-changing wind through burning. Uh, In this episode, Quoth struggles with finding his path at the university. He finds money to attend the university. He buys a loot that has absolutely nothing to do with the university. He learns Sigildry to profit at the university. And he does battle at the university, but he can't overcome his friend's care at the university. But uh, all of this with a little bit of a backdrop. It's slight in this episode, but it's there. Love's about to enter the story away from the university
2: yeah bast bast insists that
0: there is a paucity of women in this story so far and uh it's coming
1: where's the chicks
0: where yep. where are the women folk and and uh you know my own my own complaints as well a little bit light on Absolutely. on female representation in this book
3: but uh, a little light on, a
0: little light on female
1: representation in this podcast <laughs> <laughs>
0: Listen, don't don't remind me,
1: at least for the last uh, four years, yep. all of a little out for Brooke Poor little
0: yeah. out for Brooke,
1: all of this to say celebrate it all celebrate Brooke celebrate all this because scad this month, August of 2023 I don't have the exact day on top uh, on the top of my head marks nine years, nine yeah. years, your son just turned nine years old nine yes. years. That we have been doing Davos Fingers together.
0: Yeah, my little Pip turned nine uh, five days ago from when we're recording. Uh, And it's always a reminder that I decided to start a podcast right after my second child was born, which was probably not the best idea. You're still married. But yeah, we've, you know, we've made it so far. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, congratulations, Matt, nine years. Congratulations,
1: Uh, buddy. I can't imagine doing
0: it with anybody else.
1: I mean I can, but the it's not a great imag- imagining.
0: <laughs> it's it's a horror show.
1: Yeah, it's it's not well. You know, we just balance each other too well, buddy. We do pretty we do pretty good. We
0: do pretty yeah. good. We're we're also alike enough. I remember we've had a few comments from people like I can't tell you guys apart. I I I think we're alike enough that it works and right. yet we argue just enough that there's there's a little bit of arguing intention, but, uh, you know, mostly we get along really well. We get along very well. And, I don't know uh, what I'd do without this podcast. So, yeah. 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 I mean, it's a, it's an outlet for street. me. I mean, I don't know if I would have fallen quite that far, but maybe, <laughs> I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe who knows it is. An you know, a, a butterfly flaps its wings, etc. cetera. Right. You don't know. You don't, you don't know. I don't, we don't know our lives. You don't know from the circumstances.
1: Maybe we'd be Jay and silent Bob if we didn't have the podcast. So we
0: shouldn't do it then.
1: Maybe <laughs> because we can that st- sounds
0: awesome. <laughs> Maybe we can still get there. Let's cancel it now. <laughs> oh yeah. I hear you.
1: I hear you. It's um, it's been a tremendous blessing.
0: It has. Yeah. It has. Absolutely. We are actually, people, I told you we were ourselves, but also the people we've met and, you know, oh, yeah.
1: It's yeah. a whole family is built up around this thing. Our little Calisar, Yeah. Just beyond you and I. I was just telling my um, we were over at my parents and I was telling you a little bit about that before we hit record. And uh, I was telling my parents that we were doing this tonight. And my dad was like, you still do
2: that? You still
1: do that? <laughs> yeah. I think he just thought that, like, my son's almost 40. No way is he still recording a podcast yeah. about some books that he's never heard of. Uh, with his buddy. <laughs> it's true. Yep. Still it's doing true. It, pa.
0: And and a, at about 40, 40, 50, 60, 70% of our audience also would be surprised we're still doing it <laughs> from the original days. Yeah. Uh, given that we've switched to a new book. Uh, so uh speaking of uh speaking of those that are following us, uh, we're still we're still working through some of the details, but an opportunity to contribute. To our next special episode, will be coming your everyone's way uh, in the next several days, potentially. Actually, probably already came if we if we got on our horse before we actually release this episode, right? Uh, so look out for that. We look for dream. a way to contribute. We can dream. Look for a way to contribute. Uh, it's gonna be something. I'll just. It's something fun. It's something different that the fandom has never done before that we think could be pretty unique and, and, uh, and fun for everybody. And a little, a little fingery, right?
1: Oh yeah. A little sassy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Fun
0: and not too serious. Yeah. Yeah. So look for that. It's coming. It's coming. I'm teasing it. Mm, I like it when you tease. Well, tease a coming. Tell me Matt, uh, what's, what do you got going on with your family these days?
1: Uh, school started so we're just having a good time but one exi- one, one exciting thing uh, Dashboard Confessional and The Counting Crows are on tour together right now. That's right. That's like Jon Snow's dream. Jon Snow's yeah. Jon like, Snow's Dash- dream is Counting yeah. Crows and Dashboard Confessional.
0: That Jon Snow I feel like he'd go to that Dashboard Confessional and and like the like the guy in that movie uh, Rock Band was it Rock Band? What is it with Mark Wahlberg?
3: Rock yeah, star, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, rock yeah, yeah. star. Uh-huh, uh-huh.
0: Where he's just he's singing in the front row, and they pull him on stage, and he become. That's what happened with John.
3: Yeah,
0: he'd have to it get was... he'd have to get maybe like a few drinks in him or something, but like he'd be so into dashboard confessional, Life they'd bring changing. him on stage. Life
1: yeah. changing, or he'd just be down there, just just standing the whole time, just <laughs> stoically with <laughs> yes. tears just running down his face.
0: And that would be enough.
1: Just, just <laughs> coming down. Yeah. Anyways, my, uh, my daughter um, Leia is has gotten really into dashboard to my tremendous uh, pleasure. <laughs> um, my and and my two boys like counting crows. My one son Luke, who's fourteen going on forty eight, he's <laughs> uh, he's such a crotchety little sucker. I love him to death. <laughs> he loves counting crows. So we're gonna make it a family event, man. It's gonna be cool. We're all gonna go see Counting Crows and Dashboard Confessional.
0: <laughs> man, that's interesting. I so we've had we've had debates. I'd say in my family about going to concerts. There are some bands that that they kind of like that we like that we we've, we've thought about going to. And I'm just a, uh, I guess I'm the crotchety old guy.
2: Yeah. I never,
0: I never, I never know what to do with kids at concerts. Uh, To be honest, when I when I see adults out with their kids at concert, I'm like, good for you, way to get them out there. But when I think of myself, I feel like it would just be awkward, and I you would you be worried that they were having fun? Is that part of it? (laughs) I want my kids to have fun. Are they enjoying it most? If they earn it, I want my kids to have fun. (laughs) If they earn it, did they do what they were supposed to do today? Do your chores. Uh, No, I I don't take it the wrong way, but I I guess I. I, I'm I'm a guy that's constantly worried about my kids in public wrecking other people's experiences. Oh, okay. Constantly. So like we, we stay at a hotel, right? We're on the road. We're traveling somewhere. We stay at a hotel. Mm-hmm. I'm like, be quiet. There are people above and below and around and they don't want to hear your noise. They're trying to sleep. They're doing their own thing. I'm that guy, right? Like I'm very worried about my family wrecking other people's experiences. That's good. That's good to a degree. To a degree, AoN one is more like they're at a hotel. They know what they got into. If they yeah. didn't want to be around some noise, they'd go do something else. And I can, I hear it and I hear it and I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. That is very But true. I'm still like, be quiet. Yeah. Don't, I mean, to my credit, Mary and Pip are, they're crazy. I mean, the second they get into a hotel room, it's jumping from bed to bed. You know, that's chasing each other around. That's it's, what kids
1: are supposed to do in hotel rooms. That's well, that's how you test the beds is by jumping from <laughs> one to the other.
0: <laughs> Better than other ways. Hey-o.
2: Hey-o.
0: Anyway, uh, I'm glad you're taking it to the concert. It's something we haven't done yet. My kids are younger than yours a little bit. Um, but uh it's something we're looking at. We've Good. almost we've almost done it a few times. And, and then shied away. We'll see. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, me too. Like we're a music family. It's kind of just, that's true. It's a that's big true. part of what we do. So that's true. Yeah. yeah.
3: How about you? Are life. you
1: guys doing anything crazy? Oh man. Uh, well, anything that will, that will disturb the general populace by you being out in
0: out there. I I hope not. Uh, my kids have uh, Mary and Pippa both just this week joined what's called aau basketball which is actually i'm not even sure whether it's aau level it's it's a it's a consistent
1: university
0: sure i don't even actually i don't it's it's an acronym that i've used my brother coached aau for like 10 years it's an acronym i just use without knowing what it means to be honest Allison, let us know i'm not going to look it up yeah amateur athletic union no I, i can't that can't be it uh Anyway, they joined a more competitive. They've been playing rec basketball for a year and a half. They've so enjoyed this is it.
1: competitive
0: more. So it's it's more competitive. It's a team that will stick together. That rather than having to form new teams oh, every, every time. I love those. Yeah, yeah. So we're excited about it. We're really excited. They're excited. They're you know we went to the first practice and they're just working on skills instead of you know just playing tornado or whatever. It's the, yeah, the guy has a real focus on improving them. So I'm excited. They're excited. Uh, so that's good. Uh, my sister, I haven't. I feel like I haven't name dropped Kelly in a while. Uh, if you are new to the podcast, I am the sibling of someone who's kind of like semi-famous, Kelly Thompson, comic book artist, uh, comic book writer extraordinaire.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, worked for Marvel. She's writing Birds of Prey currently for DC. Uh, she has her own uh, self-published work that just came out via Image called The Cull, and I read it the other day, and it's amazing. It, it's it's a little sci-fi but very character character driven like my sister stuff always is uh if you get to a comic book store look up the call and grab grab a copy it's a it's a nice first issue the art is insanely good uh matt de uh doing the art and uh it's really good so check that out so that's 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 about all that's going on in my family
1: that's school starting cool. up
0: like you said yeah
1: image is uh it's kind of known for having that really sharp art back to the mcfarland days yeah, and, and being a little darker which is fun
0: yeah and you know the the creator owned stuff is very interesting to see you know i you know i don't want to go into all the contract stuff with marvel and dc and you know contract work versus you know doing your own creator own stuff
1: pitching but, and having them pick it
0: up yeah exactly you have to go through pitches to get their stories through with characters they own you know this is all kelly's stuff it's, exciting, is, it's entirely man. her concept and so that is it's, so cool yeah it's really good to see i mean you know she's worked hard for it over the last decade and a half and um she it's totally really cool to see this. yeah it's really cool to see her get kind of her own control and to see what she's done with it because Sometimes people control it's bad product, but this is, it's really good. It's a really great book. She had her first one last year called Black Cloak, which has been getting all sorts of accolades and recommendations from people. So check out Black Cloak too, if you're around, it's also been published by Image. It's good. The art is is different. It's by uh, Meredith McLaren, who did uh, her her standalone book called uh, Heart in a Box, which is also really good. If you can right. Heart in a Box, it's I an amazing heart story. Yep. Do you have that? That's a good we one. do. We do have that one. it's it's a great story yeah
1: yeah besides the connection that I have through you with Kelly she's been kind of she's been a a, a cool influence on my daughter on Leia so Good. told you before we've reached out to her and um she's been super gracious and just making Leia's day with si- signing books for her and communicating yeah. with her and uh Leia really loved her gem and the holograms run that she did years yeah. and years ago. And um, that was,
0: yeah, that was how she broke in was with Jim. Right. And, she loved uh, Jim.
1: She loved Hawkeye.
0: Well, Hawkeye was um, amazing. That was a great run.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She did some cool stuff with that. She's my daughter's got just a stack of, of Kelly stuff just love to hear it in a special little shelf in her closet. That is just all Kelly.
0: So we need more girls like Leia. So go buy Kelly Thompson's stuff. You can find her at any comic book store, anywhere. Hawkeye. Yeah. Uh, Captain Marvel. Birds Captain Marvel. Now.
1: That's some of the stuff she has.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yep. Stuff. Anyway, that's, that's a really long pitch. We should get to our episode. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. We probably should. So we are spoiler-free for the King Killer Chronicle episode you're about to listen to. Uh, that means that we will not spoil anything that's happening beyond the chapters we're covering in this book. Uh, we do spoil at the end of this episode for a section called Devi After Dark. So when we get there, we'll let you know. You can turn it off at that point if you don't want spoilers. But until then, listen easy. It's not, we're not going to spoil you.
2: You,
1: you yeah, Yep. Yeah. We love to hear from you guys, too. I don't know if... We haven't heard from people too much lately. <laughs> no, no. I, hope, I hope you're liking this coverage. Um, we're just going to keep doing it. So, yeah, we <laughs> love it. So, let us know what you think. Uh, we are DavosFingers at gmail.com. People don't send emails anymore. Send us one It'll make us happy. It feels like um, email is a
0: dead language. It kind of like, is like Sanskrit. Even <laughs> it's the Sanskrit of
1: digital communication. Even at work, we don't use email all that often. It's mm. a lot of it's like I am, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. we're on Facebook. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Davos Fingers and check out our Patreon program. You can find us at patreon.com Davos Fingers.
0: We're also now on Blue Sky, too.
1: Oh, yeah, we need to add I that to our I little didn't thing,
0: add to the notes here, but yeah, we're on Blue Sky
1: at Davos it. Fingers dot dot blue sky social something, social,
0: whatever you'll find us. Just having Davos Fingers, I bet it comes up. Yeah. Well, the ever-changing wind, Matt. You want to kick us off?
1: Yeah, chapter forty-six. Okay.
0: Um, it was by luck that Quoth
1: finally found Master Eladin. he who was never in his office on campus and actually didn't teach any real classes. Uh, upon finding him, Quoth made the pitch to him. I hope you'll accept me as a student. Teach me whatever you think best. Did not go well. Uh, After Elodin sent him to look for a certain type of pine cone and then ditched him while he was out looking, Quoth learned his first lesson. Elodin wanted to be left alone. But sure that Elodin was just testing his dedication and sincerity, Quoth pressed doggedly on, eventually convincing Elodin to answer three questions. Answer me these questions three, and then the other side you'll see. There you go, Chase. There's our uh, money pipe.
0: Yeah, it down, Chase.
1: Um, question one: why don't you want to teach me? Kvoth saw through Eladdon's surface level evasions to this question until Elidan relented and offered to show him why. They trekked through the forest until they came upon what looked like a nobleman's estate. Grandiose, beautiful gardens, but with a 10-foot iron fence surrounding the property as well as a guarded gate. Ah, this was the university asylum, the rookery, the crockery, the place where they put the people that went a little crazy. One of the guards, who Eladin knew by name, estimated that there were currently 350 guests at the facility and that it could allow for at least 150 more easily. Ignoring Quoth's wonderings, careful not to ask an actual question, because remember, he's only got two left, about how much this must cost the university to even maintain, Eladin allowed Quoth to follow him to visit a guest named Wynn. There was no one in the halls they walked through, but the faint sounds of moans, weepings, chattering, and screams were all present behind closed doors. Arriving at the guest's room in question, Elodin chided the guard for locking the guest in, commanding that Alder Wynne is free to come and go as he chooses. The guard seems penitent, viewing Elodin as an authority figure as Elodin and Quoth enter the room. Wynne was a pitiful figure indeed, seated on a floor in the corner, bone thin and naked, but for bedsheets which he'd wrapped himself with. Quoth also noticed a lead gilder around his neck, setting him apart as an arcanist. When questioned about his current condition on the floor, Wynne replies that he's worried about falling and the dangerous springs and slats on the bed. And no, he would not like to leave, he cries. (sighs) As they leave Wynne, Eladin drives the object lesson home. Wynne knew what he was getting into when he became my giller. You don't. You don't know anything about the university, about the risks involved. You think this place is a fairyland, a pr- playground. It's not. Because of what they study and how they study it, well, not everyone has the fortitude for what the university teaches. So, Quoth and Elodin eventually made their way to eladin's room, which is marked by a door made entirely of copper. Upon entering the well-furnished, spacious room with big windows and a lovely view... Quoth feels a heavier air, thicker. Eladdin is surprised, Quoth even noticed, admitting that not many do. He also picks up a chair and throws it at one of the windows, as if to get to the balcony outside, but it’s the chair that breaks into pieces upon hitting the window. Quoth then starts to notice more. "The windows are somewhat magically reinforced, it looks like. And there’s not a handle on the inside of the door. Hmm. So it's then that Quoth decides to use his second question. How did you get out of here? Elidan doesn't give exact details, but makes it clear that he did it by knowing the name of all things. As an object lesson, he deciphers the name of the wall, or the elements making up the wall, chants their name, and boom! A portion of wall big enough to drive a carriage through falls at Elodin's feet turning to find dust and leaving a hole open to the outside. Upon looking closer, it appears as if they tried to reinforce the wall with veins of copper, but even that could not stop Elodin. Through the hole, they step out onto the balcony and then out onto the roof itself. Yes, they're walking on the roof. There, Quoth asks his third and final question. What do I have to do to study naming under you? Jump. Eladin replies, jump off this roof. Well, figuring it to be another test, perhaps a leap of faith type thing, Quoth immediately obeys and steps off of the 20 foot high roof. The look of pure astonishment on Elidan's face almost made it worth it. And for a moment, Quoth felt like he was floating. He remembered part of a story as he fell. I'm going to read it. Uh, so, Taberlin fell. But he did not despair, for he knew the name of the wind, and so the wind obeyed him. It cradled and caressed him. It bore him to the ground as gently as a puff of thistledown. It set him on his feet softly as a mother's kiss. But Kvothe wasn't floating. He hit the ground, not like a mother's kiss. He hit the ground hard, Uh, landing on his left arm, hitting his head, possibly breaking some ribs, but... At least his back wasn't broken. And that was it. Elenin made it clear that anyone that stupid and volatile would be no student of his. And that's when Kvothe decided to start artificing, (laughs) studying artificery. After all, why would he want to study under someone whose first set of lessons had left him with three broken
2: ribs, a mild concussion, and a dislocated shoulder? End of chapter. It's a fun one because we get to see more of a Loden, right?
0: A character that has been a bit mysterious from the beginning. Um, and so we get to kind of well, not crawl into his head, but at least see how he operates. The pine cone exercise is hilarious, and it, it makes you realize that this guy is he's not just brilliant and capable of magical naming things he's also sarcastic and funny and
2: willing to screw with people right right and i love Aloden.
0: uh i'm interested to see where he goes in this book but um
2: (laughs) i i just i just think he's brilliant
1: brilliant is a certainly a way to describe him (laughs)
0: <laughs> what what word would you use i don't know quirky uh yeah he's a little nuts he's a, yeah. i mean he so i, I had to look to, to confirm what you said in your summary about how he asks him to jump jump off this roof he literally does tell him to jump off this roof mm-hmm. and one of the questions i had is like did did Kvothe misunderstand somehow because i'm reading it from his perspective of course so take it with a grain of salt but it feels like it's a test. I'm mm-hmm. with Quoth. It feels like he really wants him to do it. And it, it's another test, I guess, of sanity or common sense. And Aloden won't teach anyone without any of that, I guess.
1: Right. It completely backfires on Quoth. Yeah. It got the exact opposite result of what he wanted. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. He's so much fun to read taking off his shoes and leaving them at the front desk. So he, I didn't include this in my summary. So he Mm -hmm. could go sliding around. I guess we don't know if that's the exact reason he took off his shoes, but uh, he certainly, they make a point of talking about how he's sliding around. Yeah. Step, step, slide. Yeah. I imagine Scad's kids in the hotel lobby, if they're jumping on the beds in the hotel room in the hotel lobby, they're
0: sliding around. Um, they would be if I let them. Yeah. If you let them. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I wouldn't let them do that.
3: <laughs> Taking off your shoes. You're, you're like, no, bothering. No. 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 <laughs> uh
0: yeah. I he's he's uh he's a bit of a mess. But also I you know, like part of me like thinks if he's if he's at all sane and he's trying to weed out people that he thinks are serious. I mean, I'm sure you've met those people that just, like, want it too bad. It's like, look, you you want it too bad. You can't see things realistically. You want this thing too badly. Take a step back. Mm -hmm. Come back to me when you will not jump off a damn roof for this, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're sacrificing too much if that's what you're willing to do.
1: Yeah. You know, he's seen what happens to those people.
0: He was one of them,
1: right? Apparently yeah
0: <laughs> so yeah, he knows firsthand.
1: yeah mm-hmm. It is interesting though, and maybe we'll get into this in Debbie after dark, the deference that is showed to him yeah when he goes there. Yeah, as you sure. know, as the rumor shows, as the rumors state he was there as a quote unquote guest uh, at one point. yeah, fairly recently. yet there are a couple instances. Where it talks about, you know, the man at the gate guard scrambled to unlock the gate when Eladdin asked. Um, the uh-huh. guy guarding Wynne's door. The man stood a full head taller than Eladin. He was much bigger and stronger than him. But the blood drained from his face as the shoeless master glared at him. Yeah. There's a presence that Eladdin has. Um, I even, I was going back to look at some of Elodin's first appearances. Prior to this, he's really only appeared with the other masters at the university, uh-huh. right? And I wanted to see some of the stuff that he was saying back then. Um, and at it, and it, uh, Quoth's interview, his very first interview, our first look at Elodin, um, he jumps in and says, I too would ask some questions. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, his questions were great.
1: Yeah. And it says, when he spoke, everyone at the desk stirred slightly, then grew still like leaves touched by the wind. Master Namer, the chancellor said, with equal parts deference and trepidation. Almost like he's worried what he's gonna say. But also, like the there's some guard. respect there. Yeah, there's yeah. some respect there too, though. No, yeah, and yeah. It's uh, it's fascinating this hold that this quirky, brilliant guy seems to have on people.
2: Yeah, you. Uh, do you watch? Did you watch Ted Lasso? No. To in my Ted Lasso, I'm, shame. I can't. Well, you can
0: still do it. It's not like it's I'm, been removed. I will someday. I will someday. I don't want to spoil it too much, but in in that show, they bring in a striker who's like world renowned, famous. Everyone kind of worships the ground he walks on. It's because he's really good he's also really weird, extremely weird, right? And they don't, you know, they don't really know how to react to him sometimes, but they hold him in such high esteem that it's just silence almost when he's around and like, what's he going to do? And probably a little nervousness, but
3: mm-hmm.
0: there's so much respect because he's so good. That's what I feel kind of with Alodin is everyone there knows how powerful he is and how strong he is. They yeah. also just know he's Totally unpredictable. You don't know what he's going to do. So it's, I can't wait, but also I kind of don't want to wait. <laughs> Just, you know, I like to see, right? Yeah, he's fascinating. Yeah. What uh, What did you think of the number of guests in this uh, rookery?
1: It's way too much, man.
0: Three hundred and fifty uh, with a capacity of five hundred. We've learned, or learned in this section at least, um, that there are about fifteen hundred students at the university. Um, you know, we're talking about a number of people that kind of lose capacity to deal with the strains of the university of one third of yeah. its current enrollment. Which it's is like
1: we are allowing for one third of our university. Yeah. To fall into this state of not being able to emotionally and mentally handle what is happening to them. Yeah. That's extremely worrisome.
0: We also learn, and we'll probably cover it in another section here, but we also learn that roughly a hundred people leave like graduate or quit the university every year. Mm-hmm. And so if a hundred people are leaving every year and there's 500 in here, I don't know, it just feels like a big number. There's five times as many people in here as graduate successfully or leave the university every year. It's a lot. It's a big number. This happens to a lot of people and we'll see there's concern from both friends in this section or in, oh, the next in this episode that they're worried it's going to happen to him. It yeah. seems like they're worried it might happen to anybody.
1: It's, yeah, that's, that makes you sit back and go, okay, what's really going on
0: here? And and Elodin says it's what we study, right? The things that they teach their their minds to do to separate themselves and deal with, you know, to separate their the alars right and and think in a completely different way. It's taxing and it's very demanding, right. and sometimes the brain just can't do it. I mean, I can't. I mean, I get tired doing my day job. I can't imagine trying to like flip my brain into two places. And like, imagine you get good at that and you're like, oh yeah, I have the fishery later and I have the medicin now, why don't I think about the fishery over here and think about the medicin now. And like, maybe they just live that way and it's just constantly a barrage on their brain. And yeah, you're, you're just not used to it, but yeah, it, it, they don't go too deep into it, but it kind of makes sense to me.
1: It absolutely makes sense. No question. I'm wondering if a university that's been around that long, though, couldn't have developed like some sort of like pretest or or something like that to just kind of just kind of gauge your capacity to be able to handle something like this and say, no, this isn't for you before it gets to the point where you're institutionalizing, you know, up to 500 people
0: or controls, some some level of controls like you're, you know, in college here in the U.S., You know, they recommend they're like, you can take 12 to 15 credits, 18 maybe. You go beyond that, and you're really probably gonna hurt yourself, right? Like, you probably can't handle it, right? I don't know if that's changed now, it's been, you know, 20 plus years since I've been in college, but that was kind of those were the numbers when I was there. And they're worried about it. Like, it feels like the university could be like, okay, what's your schedule and what are you doing? And like, let's make sure you don't end up at the rookery. It seems like they don't, you know, like. They're more willing to pay for room for 500 than yep. deal, you know, build a system to help with this.
1: Yeah, to actually help students succeed. Uh, more on that in a coming chapter for me, for sure. Okay, good. For sure. Okay. okay.
2: Um, You know, Alodin El- by the way, was there for two years Um, in this room, he says, right?
3: right? Two
0: years of staring at this wall and not being able to, to see the air and not be able to breathe it, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so he was in there for a while yeah I, it's a little weird too Alderwyn is uh, allowed to
0: leave why wasn't Elodin allowed to leave is he too dangerous right is well, he...
1: maybe maybe someone like Alderwyn wouldn't be allowed to leave until Elodin left however he left
0: right and now
1: and he's now... like an activist for... <laughs> exactly <laughs> Yeah. Right. that's what it feels like that's Maybe. what it feels like. It could be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you got to treat all these people better.
1: Right. Yeah. It's, a, it's really interesting to me as I look back. You know, I mentioned that I went back and read how Eldin was reacting to Quoth early on, at least on the outside. Um, at one point, it said Eladin, I believe this was when he was on the horns or whatever they call it. Yeah. Eladin actually smiled at me, not just a perfunctory curling of the lips, but a warm, toothy grin. Uh-huh. um i'd forgotten how Elidan's light voice moved through the deep places in your chest when he spoke he smiled happily at me again and uh but yet this is someone that so there's this warmth to him but then when quoth actually wants to dig in and learn something from this guy he's very dismissive and wants to stop him any ideas of how that relationship works? He's kind of holding them at hand's length, but he also seems to want to demonstrate support, at least in front of these other masters. Any thoughts on what he's, what Elladan wants with
2: Quoth? Yeah, I mean, I think,
0: <clears throat> I, I think he sees a little bit of himself, a lot probably of himself in Quoth, sees a lot of potential, but also probably thinks it's too early for him to really engage. I mean, um, we might be expected to look at this chapter as a cautionary, a cautionary tale for both. right?
3: For sure.
0: Alodin is, um, compared to him a little bit, you know, he was one of the youngest people admitted, he was the youngest chancellor ever named. We'll get to that later. Um, you know, do do we look at this like, okay, he seems crazy, but actually, Aloden is just looking out for somebody that he sees might fall to the same, you know, the the same temptations or weaknesses that he fell to, right? Right. And so he's actually just trying to protect the guy a little bit, encourage him, but not too much, right? He even says <laughs> at one point uh, that near the beginning of the chapter, he says something like, you know, he he uh, he asks him what his goal is or something, tells him something, and. says oh well you should aim higher and he's like well i wish to start naming under you and he's not too high too high
3: yeah meet
1: somewhere in the middle i need you to go somewhere
0: in the middle somewhere in between so i think he's trying to encourage him him but also yeah to also just ease up buddy you're too eager you know yeah like that kind of thing
1: slow down you crazy child so ambitious for a juvenile
0: I don't know what, what? 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 What is that?
1: It's only the best song by William Joel ever. Vienna. I know
0: who? Oh,
1: Vienna. Okay. Just hit me now with you saying. It's been it. a while. It's been a while. Great song. Beautiful song.
0: Been a while since I listened to Vienna.
1: <clears throat> um, uh, go ahead.
0: No, I, I, uh, I was. I don't have much else here. I was going to ask maybe what you thought of the questions he asked. I thought they were pretty good um yeah it was a little game of chess they were playing right trying to trick each other into answering and asking questions um i thought quotes questions were pretty good i thought yeah. that was another thing that kind of pointed us to look to, to kind of compare these two people they're very good at these kind of mind games and uh very similar in that way
1: they are very similar that's a good point um you yeah, had the quote talking about how he would try to ask a question, but not in a questiony way. Like, boy, yeah. I bet the uh, sure cost the university a lot of
0: money to maintain this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wonder how they afford this. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a question. question. It's just a statement that I
1: wonder it. I I wonder <laughs> that is the thing like per <laughs> happily from parks and recreation. The thing that I am wondering is this thing. Um, uh just finished that series with the with the kids they loved it. Uh
0: it's a good one. I so I spent some time last week uh after was it Liz on Twitter was mentioning the uh oh
3: um, the
0: Bobby Newport the Bobby New Bobby Newport stuff. I <laughs> I watched a clip, I watched like a series of clips with Bobby Newport.
1: Bobby it's, Newport. It's brilliant has never worked a day in his life yes never. uh another thing <laughs> is you know as an edema both is well aware of the hero's journey right he comes oh, no. back to it a couple times in this chapter well you know and yes and usually in the stories the yes. hero has to do this Yeah, yeah da, 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 da. and it makes sense he grew up in a troop playing parts in these stories and everything so that his mind constantly is going back to Uh what's happening in the stories it kind of makes sense you know he grew up in a in a in a family and in a lifestyle where he was uh, immersed in these types of stories Uh um you know the young man has to prove his dedication to the old hermit in the woods Uh what's funny is eloden sees himself in a story too when Quoth asked him, How did you get out of here? He eventually he goes into story. Well, your hero yeah. da, 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 did this and starts talking about himself in the third person.
0: Yeah. And you wonder whether Elodin is playing into what he suspects. Kvoth, how how he suspects Quoth yeah. views this. Like you think it's magic and fairy tales. Okay, I'll tell it that way. Right. right. Um, Good it point. you get that sense like that he's that. kind of making fun of him almost, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um there you know there are people that have drawn the conclusion like no eloden is taberlin actually. There are people some people think that.
3: All right. Um
2: but you know I don't
0: I don't but
2: uh <laughs> yeah I mean I, he he uh
0: he plays he plays into that with Quoth, right? He does.
1: yep And we've talked a lot about how Rothfuss challenges those types of tropes and everything—it's yeah. fun to see him do it in a meta way here, yes. where he's having the characters do the work for him. Uh, so it's very clever how that all works, and it also makes sense as to why Quoth would always be constantly returning to the "Oh, this is the point in the story where yes. the hero does this," so yes. I need to I need to follow suit, and he's learning really quickly that that's not how life works.
0: Yeah, it's also, you know, it's the basis of his first question. Why don't you want to teach me, right? You're and, the old and, hermit. You're supposed to want yeah, to teach me. Right. You're the Obi-Wan like Kenobi. This is the whole point. Like, of course, we're of course we're telling this story. You're supposed to teach me stuff.
1: Uh-huh. And you're
0: making go through all these questions. It must be a test.
1: That
0: sounds just like the story, right? Yeah. I've
1: already got my scarecrow and my tin man and my <laughs> lion, yes. my buddies, you know, Will and Sim and those guys. You're yes. supposed to be Glenda. I don't know where Toto is, but
0: he's coming along soon, I'm sure. <laughs> he's there. Blessed the Rains down
2: in Africa. No, too far. All
1: right. Um, there's some Davos after dark stuff there, but uh, there I think that's all I got for now. About copper. About copper. Yeah. About uh, air pressure, maybe. About
0: loading himself, maybe. Yeah, quite a bit. Yeah.
1: yeah. All right. Stay tuned if, if you're into that kind of
0: thing, listener. Should we move to move to Barb's? Let's move to Barb's. It was to be an interesting rest of Quoth's first term. Without access to the archives, Quoth had lots of time on his hands. Time to study more of the Medica and work with Willem on his Ciaru. Time to learn skills and earn a little side money at the Artificery under Kilvin. And time to develop true, deep friendships with Will and Sim. And Oh yeah, also time to develop a true enemy in Ambrose. He also spent time building up his reputation. In a matter of days, had Remember, guys, it's been days. He's not been at the university for a long time at the start of this chapter. In a matter of days, Quoth had been admitted to the Arcanum, had been whipped and not bled. He had embarrassed a master in his own class, and Aloden had apparently thrown him off a damn roof. These types of legends can build one's reputation into almost a suit of armor, and Quoth did everything he could to encourage that even sometimes enlisting help from Basil to spread a few new ones, that he had demon blood within him, for instance. But the thing that added to his reputation the most was the ongoing feud with Ambrose. Defying a powerful noble's firstborn son just is not done here. But Quoth would never back down, and for his part, Ambrose always came back for more. Both was fearless in this respect. He couldn't fathom fearing Ambrose after dealing with all the true, real-time danger he actually faced in Tarbine, with like dudes trying to knife him regularly. So Ambrose seemed like a har- seemed harmless comparatively.
2: But really, Both admits he was a fool. End of chapter. It was a short one. Just a short little one. We had a couple short ones this time. We did several. Yeah. Wonder why he's a fool yeah yeah i mean
0: speculation might belong in 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 debbie after dark mm, um yeah but i think you know i think he's he's um he's not as aware of the slow knife as he is you know the immediate threat right oh, and good point. yeah
3: mm-hmm.
0: ambrose has the ability to hurt him in the short term but he really has a bigger ability to to hurt him in the long term right in, in ways that are much more
2: much much more life impacting than some of the day-to-day stuff, right? Yeah.
1: No, that's a good point. Day-to-day living was his life in Tarbine, right?
0: Still is. I mean the, he's still struggling time. with money. Still that's you true.
1: Know. <sighs> It's so admirable for us to look at where Quoth has come from. He's living a completely, or he has lived a completely different life than I would dare say every single other student at the university. Obviously, I don't have the evidence to back that up, but I don't know how many other students at this university lived on the streets for three years before coming to
0: the university. Yeah. I mean, as evidence, no one had ever been uh, given money to attend before. It was the sure. first, first time, right? So that's evidence to your claim,
1: right? Sure. Good point. Good point. Thank you. Thank You're you for welcome. the support, Scott. You know what? I try to help occasionally.
0: <laughs> I'm going to go to bed. You finish the episode yourself. <laughs> Good night. Uh,
1: and now I am going to give my interpretation <laughs> of the song Tonight Tonight by the Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, well, uh,
0: no, I mean, we'd probably gain listeners. Let's do it.
1: I don't know about that. Uh, you know, there's a game, though, that's played at the university. There's a way of doing things, and Quoth is learning that way the hard way. So it's fun to see him challenge that at every yeah. corner. Yeah. Especially with his reputation, and you can see why he do, does it. But you also look at it and go, no wonder you're struggling a little bit, Quoth, because you're not playing the game. And I respect the heck out of you for trying to change it. There's a lot of things wrong going on at the university. In my opinion, we've talked about at least one of them right now, which is the burnout that they almost seem to encourage in their students. Yes. Um, But you're not playing the game and sometimes to change the game, you got to play the game. Um, He refuses to, and I'm interested to see how it turns out for him.
2: Yeah. He has almost, um, Almost a willing blind spot toward
3: mm-hmm.
2: toward doing what's
0: expected. It's almost yeah. like he wants to subvert every expectation. He sometimes, to... sometimes he goes above and beyond that, right? But sometimes it's like I don't care about that. I'm not doing it, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And he doesn't. I mean, kind of similar to what I was saying about the Ambrose thing. He doesn't. I feel like he. One of the things he's really not like. We talk, we talk so much about how good he is at everything, right? But one thing he's really bad at is like long-term planning, right? Mm-hmm. Probably because he's used to worrying about getting shivved in the alley by a Coke bottle, right? But like he's, he's pretty bad at future planning, at seeing what might be happening in the future and making plans for that. He's That's really true. good. Like in the moment, in like a split-second decision, he's pretty great. Pretty, He's just inventive, intuitive. To handle the situation very quickly, almost seems to never mess up. But it, like, if you try to make that guy make a budget,
1: <laughs> no. Oh, the constant money concerns. It's yeah. so real world yeah. and it's so <laughs> frustrating. Yeah. And... Yeah. No, to back up what you're saying, he says reckless bravery. Yeah. Reckless bravery. Yeah. Reckless can be defined as without a thought for tomorrow, kind of thing, um, or not thinking ahead. So there is a fearlessness to it, but you have to qualify that with a bit reckless. Yeah, for sure. Something we love about him, but also slow
0: down, you crazy child. Yeah, he he's an arrogant mess in some ways. Does it ever bother you how, how he always just talks about how the Rue are better than everyone and everything? <laughs> well, like, it's the Rue. Like, I almost want to call him a racist. He's uh-huh. like... You know, what I, like, I know that's harsh, but like, he's like, well, you know, it didn't matter what Ambrose did because I'm a Rue and I'm better than he is. Right. Yeah. And he, you know, he doesn't talk about it like racial qualities. He just talks about it. Like I was trained better. That's the life we led. So it's, it's not really racism, I guess, but it just bothers me sometimes how elitist he is about the roo. He is and I the roo. It's like a dream life for me. I think that would be great, but I hate the way he talks about it sometimes.
1: Yeah, yeah, hey, I think we brought it up in the episode about how, like, I kind of love that Ambrose is a little into poetry on the side, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of sweet, and maybe it's just to get the girls, but hey, at least he's stretching that right brain muscle, you know. If he weren't
0: molesting the girl he's reading it to at the absolutely, time, <laughs> absolutely, I'm not, it, I, I'm definitely not, excusing it, would, it, would, the... it would do a lot for his case, if, <laughs> you know. Be like, oh, that's sweet. You know, he like left it on the porch with, yeah. uh, with a little tulip or something. Yeah, with a shot but, at making brownies or something. And- yeah, but
3: no. <laughs>
1: okay, you got a point there.
0: Uh, he calls it a business partnership in order to more efficiently pursue our mutual interest of hating each other. Yeah, have you ever had someone like
2: that in your life?
1: Uh, not maybe not hate is a strong word, but it's almost
2: like. Love not getting along with somebody. Um I care do too much so. about what other people think about me to
1: have one of those.
2: Yeah, I people I, not
1: liking me.
0: I have some of that. There is a line I get to where I'm just like, I don't care what well actually I don't care what a lot of people think of me. I mm. Some some people a lot. Some people I care a great deal about what they think of me. But yeah, if you're if you're an enemy, I really don't care. I yeah, I got some pe- I got a few I people like kind of like that. I like that. Uh, this fantasy football guy that I just loathe because he made some. Oh really, yeah, you told me about him. Yeah, I. I
1: you're like I belligerent, like blatantly.
0: I to told him. Right? him well, I was going to say to his face, but it was via text in a group thread. Uh, he said something. Why are you so, why are you always so, why Why are you so negative about my, my trades and my comments? I said, it's because I don't like you. Right. And it was very aggressive and yeah. he had rubbed me the wrong way several times. And yeah, I, I don't, you know, it's not Ambrose both levels, but it's just a thing where we've kind of just grown to dislike each other. And I'm not really into pretending that that's not the case. I'd rather just call it what it is. And we can just still be on the chat and understand that we don't like each other
2: and deal with it like adults. Right.
1: So yes, I guess I have this guy like
2: that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like, like on different teams where you're like, I'm going to play these guys once a season. And every time it's going to be messy
1: and it's just going to, yep. That guy's going to be standing in front of the net with me and I'm going to kind of cross check him in the back. And and you're like, I kind of look forward to it a little bit. (laughs) Oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah,
0: Okay.
1: Usually it's those guys who make us crazy who, yeah. The ones that think that, you know, who knows? Maybe this is the game that an NHL scout happens to be oh, in Salt Lake City, Utah. At the guys nine, that take it too seriously at nine o'clock yeah. on a Thursday yeah. night. And He's going to be in the stands watching, and he's going to find me at yeah. thirty-five years old, and I'm going to finally get my shot. <laughs> it's quoth in the previous
0: chapter. He wants it too bad. <laughs> it's so
3: wants true. It too
1: bad. Yeah. And it's like, dude, take it easy, man. We've all got to go to work in the morning. Well, right? Yeah. Just stop.
0: Yeah. What is this worth it to you? What are you, what are you getting out of this?
1: We're paying money to do this, man.
0: Like (laughs) I got to admit, I'm kind of like that guy. I mean, not that I expect the scout to be in the stands, but like, yeah, what I, I mean, it's been a long time now since I played anything in any competitive level, but when I did, there was no, I mean, it was, I didn't ever hold, like there was, it was always very serious. Oh, yeah. For me. Yeah. I, I mean, didn't, it wasn't fun. It was serious for me. There is a certain amount of
1: it's an outlet. You yeah. know, we yeah. go to work all day long. Stuff's crazy sometimes with kids and family and we don't get a break. And this is our one time to just go and let all of that out. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a firm believer that I am the calm, kind person that I am. You know, 99% of the time, because I get to go out for an hour yeah. every week and cross check guys in the back for a little bit, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. But uh, you do start to develop a certain, at least in hockey, there's like a certain sense of respect along yeah, with the aggressiveness, fair. you know? Yeah. Like the, there's just a way that you, like, not last game, but the game before that, we were losing bad. We were losing like six to one. Yeah. It was bad. It was really bad. And this guy from the other team is still ripping slap shots at our goalie from like seven feet out from the goalie. Yeah. Is it against the rules? No. But is it something you do in a 6 1 game? No. It's also not, you know? And you just learn to.
0: Is is that because there's an actual violent, like dangerous component of doing that action? Or is it because you're up enough just.
1: Yeah. Like you're going to a little bit of a violent component. You're going to risk hurting maybe a player who you'd hit or the goalie in a six, one game, you know? Yeah. So
0: yeah, I get it. Yeah. I There's not really a,
1: there's not stakes at that point.
0: There's not a a clear comparison in soccer, which is the only sport I really played competitively into adulthood and competitively is you know, Maybe if a a pretty, you know, pretty big. (laughs) Maybe if, like,
1: you're up six to one in a soccer game, which is that's that's bad, right? Um, is the team that's up six to one really going to go after and slide tackle the guy coming down, cruising down the field, you know, at that point? I would,
0: I would, I would, but 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 I was never, I mean, I was always a very clean player and a careful and controlled and play within planned. the rules. Sure. Yeah.
1: But I guess I, even what I'm saying is sometimes even with the rules, you,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. There's like a certain respect level at that point,
0: but there's nothing disrespectful about slide tackling somebody. If you go cleats up, that's disrespectful at all times. Anyway, we don't need to dwell on it. I guess I, I, yeah. I would say so I, where I didn't, did this I, didn't start? <laughs> I guess I would say I didn't change the way I played based on the score. Almost ever. Mm, okay. Almost, and we almost very ever. much do. Yeah. but there, but there, but there isn't really. I mean, there's some, I guess, but there's no real risk of hurting someone just because you're still playing hard,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? Like it doesn't. You know what I mean? Right. Like, when I'm playing hard, I'm not usually risking anyone's yeah. injury, right?
1: And I think it's also the league that we play in too. Of just like we're all guys that are getting a little bit older. Like I said, yeah. we all pay money for this. We all got to go to work in the morning, yeah. and it's all kind of to the point of like am I really going to rub it in this guy's face? I like this guy. He's just like me, yeah. you know, he's yeah, got yeah, a fit. Yeah. And am I really going to rip a slap shot and try to score a goal and make it seven to one when he's already losing six to one, you know? Like, yeah. you don't want to let off off the gas. Yeah. That's also disrespectful, you know, when you're just like being a little condescending and patronizing, but you also don't want
0: to rub I mean, it in their faces. It's well known in like, higher levels of soccer where you really have control to do this, that yeah, you kind of stop pressing. You just kind of pass the ball around and the other team kind of understands too. And it, yeah, I mean that, that happens for sure at higher levels. I don't know that I was ever at a skilled enough level where a team had the ability to just kind of pass the ball (laughs) around like that. So you are always kind of still playing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Anyway, anyway. Yeah. How'd
1: you like that one? Kalisar.
0: Yeah. We haven't All talked right. sports in a while.
1: No, we have. At least not
0: to that degree.
1: Yeah. We're in the playoffs right now for my little hockey league. So,
0: oh, I thought your league was over. I thought you told me
1: it, uh, regular season. Okay. So we had our first playoff game last night and we won. So onward six to one. Is that the story you're telling? No, five to three. <laughs> we won okay. five to three that one. That's good. It's good. But, yeah. Yours truly scored a goal. That does not happen wow. often. That does not Defenseman. happen often. Yeah. Defenseman getting up there. And just like not very good at scoring goals either.
0: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <You> <laughs> just poke in a rebound or whatever. I'm usually
1: good for, for one a season. No, the the I I the puck was coming out of the zone and I swooped in and saved it, kept it in the zone. Yeah. And I like skated down low along the boards and passed it to a guy. And then I cut to the front of the net and he passed it back to me. And I just well, tucked
0: it in. Sl- slotted it, it, was, it, was, right. it was a pretty goal. It was a pretty goal. All right. That's good. good by for
1: you. Matt Thacker standards. So yes. Got my one All for right. the year.
0: Good for you. Yeah. Just, just got it in the playoffs. Yep. Game one of the playoffs. <laughs> Shall we move to interlude?
1: Yeah, we do have a little interlude here and I've got it. I wrote this one on my iPad while I was getting my oil changed. Oh, well, here we go. And no, that's not a metaphor for something else. That would be cool, though. I'm sitting there writing.
2: It could have
0: have been a two for one.
1: (laughs) All right. Uh, This is an interlude. So we're stepping away from the university, back to the the story that we started out on at the end, right? A silence of a different kind. Scad Bast wasn't afraid of much. But he positively feared when Quoth went silent. Not the ordinary silence that comes from a simple absence of things moving about and making noise. Bast feared the deep, weary silence that gathered around his master at times like an invisible shroud. Dread seeped in as Bast counted the breaths that passed as Quoth said nothing. 15 breaths, 16, 17. Until finally, to Bast's relief, Quoth spoke up, admitting that he knew not how to begin telling the next part of his story. Bast suggested Quoth simply start from with, with what's most important. But what is most important? Quoth asks, my magic or my music? My triumphs or my follies? <sighs> Who knows? After a dinner break, Quoth was ready. And he would start by talking about her, not just a woman the woman i've told stories in the past painted pictures with words told hard lies and harder truths once Quoth says i sang colors to a blind man sang colors to a blind man seven hours i played but at the end he said he saw them green and red and gold that i think was easier than this trying to make you understand her with nothing more than words you've never seen her Never heard her voice, you cannot know. But still, he
2: said, I will try. And that's the end of the interlude. Well, you know what Yoda says. Do or do not. There is no try.
1: So get to it, pal.
2: So let's let's hear it.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, these interludes are interesting. So, you know, this story is being told by. The, the larger story the 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 story of his past is being told by him right to chronicler and chroniclers taking it down and writing it down as you know his supposed truth. These interludes though are not really from his perspective. They're you know like a third person narrative like a like an overseeing narrator kind of thing yeah. right. Mm-hmm. so it's interesting that we get this piece about Bas fears of his master bass fear of his master's silence. Um, you know the narrator could tell us why like he's not really afraid of the silence he's afraid of what the silence means right to him that silence is indicative of something it's reminding him that his master isn't what he used to be or I don't think we really even know exactly right it's it, but it but it's something more than just the silence the silence yeah, is yeah. a reminder of what else is amiss right and you wonder whether quoth feels it too, right? We only get the narrator he's, telling us how yeah, Bast feels. Happening. Uh-huh. But as it's happening, does quoth does also feel shaken by it? Like, of, of how he's changed and what that silence means and how pensive and reflective and almost stuck he seems to be?
1: Stuck is a good word.
0: Because you... you you know, we get the rest, the rest of the story from his perspective besides these spots at the inn and it would maybe be the most interesting point to have his perspective. What? What's going on? In, you know, I'm sure it's by design, Pat. You know, like I get it. But like, as a reader, what's going on in there, right? Like, why are you silent for 16 seconds?
2: Mm-hmm. What's
0: going through your head that, you know, like... Do you feel like a shadow of yourself? Is it coming back to you? What do you are you worried about it coming back to you because you're afraid what it will do? Like these these little interludes they they I love them but they bother me so much in some way because I don't know. Probably if I had another book in the last five years, I wouldn't be so bothered.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> like what's happening? What what are they afraid of about this silence?
1: About the right? silence. Yeah. The
0: silence in itself isn't scary. It's it's what the silence portends that means something.
1: Right. What the silence portends. I like that. I remembered the you know, the silence of three parts. Mm-hmm. One of your favorite pieces of writing ever. I love it. Yeah. The the prologue of this book. In the third silence, not an easy thing to notice, Quoth says in the prologue, it was in the weight of the blackstone hearth that held the heat of a long dead fire. The slow back and forth of a white linen cloth rubbing along the grain of the bar. And it was in the hands of the man who stood there polishing a stretch of mahogany that had already gleamed in the lamplight. Is Bast afraid? You know, you look at the the black stone hearth of a long dead fire, right? Think of that with Quoth, where he's at when uh-huh. he's when he's at the inn, um, polishing wood that's already polished, just for the routine of it all, right? Yeah. So yeah. I really like that you said the word stuck. Stuck, yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: So, but the question is. With the silence, it
1: feels like the silence is more reflection, right? Quoth is thinking about something. Bast wants to protect Quoth. Yeah. So does Bast want that third silence? Is someone, he is someone who wants to protect Quoth. Is he want that? He wants him to be in a routine where he's polishing wood all day because at least he's not out risking his life and maybe risking the life of others. Does he want him to stay there? And so if he sees him stopping and thinking, is he like, oh, no. Is he snapping out of it? Oh, I see. Oh, boy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, crap. Crap, 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 crap. No! Nope, nope. We got to go polish that table. Remember, you got uh, chores to do. Like, stop. Calm down. Calm down.
0: Yeah, I, ba- I like the way you put that. And I-, I like that you went back to the silence of three parts because I think some of the answer of some of the things I was talking about may be in there. And, but you, you didn't go uh, to the, the last line of that, which is maybe my favorite part of yeah. what I think Bast is actually afraid of, which is similar, but also maybe opposite to what you're saying. I'll get there. It was the patient cut flower sound of a man who is waiting to die. And it took me a long time, like several reads of this. I'm like, cut flower? What is it? What is a cut flower sound? Like the shears? Like, what, what does that mean? And it, it's no, yeah. it's it's the fact that the flower like if you cut it, it's dead. But it's still clinging to life. It's still vibrant. It's still pretty. It's still colorful. You could put it in a glass of water, and it might last for a little a while. Few days, yeah. But it's fucking dead. It's dead. It's not coming back. There's it's, no hope for it. it. It's dead. Yeah. And I think that's maybe any time. I think Bast fears that he's gone and won't come back and that actually he does want him out there and doing stuff mm. not just safe and tending the inn he wants him back to who he used to be but what he senses in the silence is this devolution towards this patient cut flower sand of a, a sound of a man who's just waiting to die i'm just here living out my last days right and anytime he hears silence he's like there's nothing moving There's nothing happening. There's no change to get him back to who he was. He's just waiting to die, polishing that bar over and over again until like his arm stops moving and he passes out and dies. Right. That's what I think Bast is really afraid of. But I'd, I'd love to know whether both feels it too. Or whether he's because he's living it, he doesn't feel it that way. He's just like, yeah, just just living. Just living and doing my thing and polishing the bar and
1: it's pretty self-aware. Yeah. I just like think he does most of the time. Yeah. Goo goo dolls, young man sitting in the old man's bar waiting for his turn to die. I just thought of that. How come we didn't think of that sooner? It's perfect mm. for this. See the young man sitting in I know the old it. man's bar. I love waiting that for album. turn to mm-hmm. Broadway. Great song. Great Broadway, song.
0: Broadway is a good song. Overplayed
1: it's that, in its day, but now when you go back and listen to it, it's like this song is a total banger. It's a good
0: one. Yeah, that whole album actually is pretty it's good. Really good album. Um, I can't tell you what. Dizzy Up the Girl. So Dizzy is? Up
1: the Girl. Yeah. yeah. You got Black Balloon on there. You got mm-hmm. Iris
0: on there. Yeah, there's Some good tunes. It's been a few years probably since I listened to it all the way through, but that's a good album.
1: We should pop that on. Yeah.
0: Right now while we talk. You know, put it on the probably, background. Probably get listeners. That won't get
1: us in trouble. Uh, <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. You have been flagged. uh You have been fined five credits. For, <laughs> um, no, but uh, I hear what you're saying.
1: Mm, I can't completely get behind it because I'm just back to thinking about Bast, you know, how he was incensed that that Quoth put the sword above the bar, you know, like yeah, um, he's, he's very protective of him. So I wonder if he wants to, wants to meet him somewhere in the middle. Maybe that's where the answer lies. He, he doesn't want him to sit there polishing the same piece of wood and just waste the rest of his life. What a waste that would be, uh, you know, a life of such a great man, but also not out there, you know, killing Kings or whatever happened. You know, just like, yeah, let's, let's just zero in on something in the middle. Like Eladin says, oh, that's an interesting callback, you know, that maybe we just need to, we need to temper this somehow
0: a little bit. Yeah, that's a good point. I think, I guess I go back to the fact that when we had one of these interludes where Bast actually like, uh, confronts the chronicler and is like, don't you, don't you freaking upset him. He needs, he needs to come out of his shell. And he's the one that like actually invited the Chronicle here, right? right? Like like uh, expose the fact that Quoth is here at this bar, yep. at this inn. Um, I think he wants him, I don't know that he wants him exposed, but he wants him to remember who he was. And whether that means going out and killing kings or not, yeah, probably not. He probably doesn't want him fighting angels. But I think he believes there's still more Story and fight in Quoth, and maybe that he's got a destiny that being part of the Fae Realm, he understands that we don't know yet, right? And just and,
1: in a bar to die. Yeah. And if he's
0: just sitting like an old man, even though he's 24 or something, waiting for his turn to die like a cut flower, uh, that's bad to fast. Right. I think that's what he feared that's what he thinks the silence might lead to is just more dead moments. More wasted time, more wasted moments, where he's just striding toward death, and 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 the acceptance, right, in Quoth's mind in Coate's mind, that that's where he's headed, regardless, right?
1: Yeah, I'm willing to to go with that, to that somewhere in the middle, like he doesn't yeah. necessarily want Quoth to go back to what he was doing before, but go back to he's, he's got to do destiny, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's not path. a cut
2: flower, right?
1: Yep. Yeah. So, and who knows if what bast wants him to do is the right thing yeah we don't something
0: i don't think so but bast could absolutely just be a villain right we, we don't know
3: right but
0: there's a there's a short story called the lightning tree lightning tree it's called the lightning tree
3: mm-hmm.
0: but i only read once i should go back and read it again uh about bast and mm-hmm. um you get the impression in that that he's not a villain um but it could just be a one-off story of a villain being a nice guy for an afternoon.
2: Right. So um, I should go read that again. Um, What do you think about this girl? What do you, what do you think about how is he overdoing it? I couldn't
0: possibly explain to you with words, simple words, how wonderful this creature is more
1: than one we're having a good music episode yeah yeah, we are on point with our music episodes tonight yeah with our music call outs uh yeah it feels a little like okay come on come on
2: yeah
0: anytime he waxes about
1: okay you little color singer you calm down
0: anytime he waxes about how beautiful the the women in his life are i think about bass being like her nose wasn't perfect (sighs) she was fine. He's like, she I saw her once and she's fine, but she's he's, not, you know, every time I think of he's that. He's like not, standing behind Cloth looking at the chronicler and he's like,
1: it's eh, like, mm, like he's uh, just
2: mm, <laughs> mm, you know, like
1: the mm, chronicler's just
2: like mm, mm, yeah. Uh, uh, uh I don't I don't have much else. Yeah.
1: Uh I don't have much else. Do you have much else? Now nah, I'm ready to go on.
2: I
0: am ready for more women. I'll say that. I agree with Bast in that perspective. Pretty women. Well, women of any kind. Yep. Uh, Nature of Wild Things, chapter 49. Were Quoth never required to cross the river, seeking services found in Imra, but not at the university, he would have never found this woman who was waiting for her cue to enter the stage, as we mentioned in the last chapter. And so that is how he must continue with his, on the storytelling, with his motivation for spending time away from the university. As is frequently the case, the answer is money. But it's a little more complicated than that, and let's dive in. Quoth finished his first term with three silver talents and a single job. Would that be enough money to pay his way into a second term? Well, tuitions are set, as we've seen previously, after interviews. Despite studying as hard as he could, several of the masters were clearly against him after the up and down first term that he had, and his tuition was set at three talents, nine jots, and seven drabs, about eight more jots than he had. With virtually no time to obtain the additional money, nothing to sell of any value, and no one willing to lend him money, he has very few options. Wanted to borrow from his friends, but Quoth valued his friendships too much and had too much pride to ask Willenson for help. He turned to the only other place he could, a loan shark, what they call a galant in this book, Finding them was the hard part, but after spending some time in a few CD bars and inquiring in a pawn shop,
2: he found what he needed in Imra. And that's the end of the chapter. Another short one. You ever borrow from a friend, Matt? Yeah. You ever loan to a friend? Yeah.
1: I think I've done both. Yeah. It's tricky.
0: In substantial amount. I mean, I'm not no. asking you to like give me dollar amounts, but like substantial amounts.
1: I don't know. I've ever done more than, yeah, not substantial, not substantial. substantial. Yeah. yeah. How about you? Anything substantial?
2: Uh, I, it's all
0: relative, right? I a little bit, but I kind of, I I agree with both, right? Like, there's 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 yeah. no better way to like yeah. to burn a friendship than doing it, and so I I tend when I do it, I tend to think of it more like gifts. And if I get it sure. back, then I get it back. And, and I am, so I've only, I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever borrowed. I've accepted gifts though, where I'm like, that's really generous. I don't know how to repay you exactly. Uh, You know, not, you know, not in the thousands and thousands of dollars range, but you know, people buying me things or like, I'll cover this for you or, you know, things right. like that. I've had that happen. Yeah. Um, but I've only loaned substantial amounts i haven't I haven't borrowed i don't I don't think I could I'd feel I'd feel weird about it but you know what need need is a tremendous motivator right
3: right and I've yeah and
0: reasonably comfortable for you know I've been very lucky in my life. yeah i I've, been I'd, I've never been needy right
1: yeah like Jim Gafkin said I don't remember the last time I was hungry <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm always hungry, but I've never been like hungry. Hungry, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, yeah, very fortunate in that way. Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's interesting because I'm scared to death to ask for help because of that pressure yeah. i put on myself to pay it back, not ruin the friendship or anything. Yeah. But when it comes to my friends coming to me for help, please do like, yeah, totally. and I want to, because I like you. It's not because I have like, I'm going to charge yeah. you 50% interest or anything like it's going to happen here in a second. I do it because I like you.
0: Yeah and yeah i'm the same yeah way. no yeah i don't i don't i don't do interest it's just like pay me back yeah. when you can and you know um or it but but in my head i'm still like if they don't they don't and i'm not gonna let that affect and you
1: got to be prepared for that yeah
0: yeah. I'm, yeah and i'm not gonna let it affect my my friendship like mm-hmm. i that's that's where i came to with it is you know just think about think of them as gifts and if you get them back then great
1: and that goes beyond money, right? Like, sure. We've had to tell our kids that too. Like, you know what, we're going to go and do this for this person. And there's a chance that they may not even really say thank you. And we have to be okay with that.
0: Yeah. You know, you're part of a faith that gives, um, I mean, regularly, like you're required to, right. For, I mean, I know there are exceptions, but you can make exceptions, right. But, but, in general, it's pretty much you're, you're meant to give, right? And that goes a long way. I don't give to anything like that, right? So I actually have within me some guilt about how I don't give to anything. And so it's uh, being able to help a friend is nice in some way, you know, yeah. assuages some of my guilt sometimes. Right. Very complicated human emotions with all that kind of stuff.
1: There is very complicated human emotions, yeah, there's a bit of you want to be noticed and you want to be yeah. like seen for the thought you put into something or yeah. whatever, yeah, but
0: like hovering over the anonymous button when you're donating something, it's like,, hmm, do I want it to be anonymous oh absolutely <laughs> absolutely I, yeah, I should want it to be anonymous. I really should
2: I'll pretend I forgot to click anonymous <laughs> I you know I want them to. I want them to know I care. Right. Right. Which
0: isn't that terrible of an emotion. It's, it's, not. Know, it's, it's more like, I don't want the reverse. I don't want them to think I don't care that you don't care. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah. Anyway.
1: But is that a bit selfish too, even or are you doing that for yeah. them? Are you
0: doing that no, for you. You're doing it for you yeah well well, i mean there's some positives for them probably they might get some solves of knowing yeah like, but oh scott a cares confirmation about information of how they thought yeah. you felt about them or something but I've even then putting a dollar putting a dollar value on that seems it's messy it's all it's all very complicated human emotion stuff uh-huh. um, yeah i mm, money if only we were just hunter gatherers Matt. it'd
1: be so much easier
0: not on my it's bad so head. easier hip.
1: Uh, you then you might know what hunger was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh this university is so freaking screwed up, scad.
2: Tell me about it, man.
1: Your next term's tuition was based on your performance.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You're just set up to just feels like you're set up to fail. Um, well, no, let me put it this way. Um it is it's a it's elitist it's meant to keep the the rich people there paying money and if you're not sorry there's no chance at someone moving beyond their station unless they are their station in life unless they are exceptionally recklessly motivated like quoth which one quoth comes along in a million there's yeah. simply no way for a kid, and it's it's a reflection of society today. Like a lot of this stuff, uh, if you're a kid from you know lower income parts of major cities, your chances of going to college and succeeding there are very slim. Yeah, uh, and it's the same thing. Stacked here.
0: against you for sure. Yeah.
1: yeah, and it's the same thing here. Yeah, you better get here. And you got to pay to get in, first of all. Obviously, Quoth didn't. And then, you know, in addition to finding ways to feed yourself and house yourself, uh, you better do good enough that we don't charge you too much. And by the way, the what we charge you is completely subjective. It's not based on any rubric or anything. It's just what we
0: decide. Actually, the biggest problem with is that it's not based on how you do in the interviews. They say it is. But really, they look at your clothes and they're like, oh well, you can afford eight talents instead of five. I'll charge mm-hmm. you eight. It doesn't matter really how you they say it matters on the interviews, but it's really about how you did in the last semester and what the teachers think of you and how much they think you can afford. It's like going to a you know a car lot. It's like, well, what can we get out of this guy? Yeah, you know if it were really just based on performance, that would pay? be more equitable, right? Other I mean, you've got the social socioeconomic, you know, comparing it to our world, issues of we weren't—we didn't all start on a level playing field, and so it's not a fair comparison of performance, right? And so that has to be adjusted for in our world for sure. This is a different world. Certainly, though, the rich kids have libraries at home, and the other kids don't, so they have a leg up too. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not fair anyway you slice it. It's not fair. I feel like part of me is like, at least they, <laughs> at least they punish the rich kids. Right. I mean, they, they still look at Quoth and they're like, even though three of the eight of us hate you, uh we'll still get you in for three talents instead of eight or twelve or twenty. Right. Um so I think it could be less fair. It's more it's more fair than it could be, but it's yeah. still not it's still not good. Yeah.
1: And that's because quoth is, like I said, brilliant. A tremendous exception. But also I, because
2: they know he can't pay. So they're sure. like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he says in this chapter that Brandor uh, asked him, or sorry, it was
0: Hem. him asked him questions that didn't have answers. He asked him questions that had multiple answers. There was no way he could get them right. Yeah. Right. And so that in and of itself tells you it's not really about how you do in the interview it's about who's interviewing and what the interviewing you and what they think of you Mm -hmm. so it's yeah it's totally
2: it's totally garbage
1: and it just and it comes down to um just i don't know pressure or stress or the mental capacity to handle what's going on at school he says Yeah, His fellow students, they had families paying their tuition, granting them allowances to cover their living experiences. They had reputable names they could borrow against in a pinch. They had possessions they could pawn or sell. If worse came to worse, they had homes to return to safety nets galore. So you don't have to worry about falling and breaking your neck.
0: Yeah, that's the biggest difference. The, The margin for error is zero
1: for him. Right. And that pressure and that stress, as we see, does start to have an effect on him.
0: Absolutely. Even though he handles stress pretty well, just the, the realistic components of like, well, I got to pay for things
3: Right, means I got to
0: do more. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't have that safety net. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So he's about to hit the uh, sucks. He's about to hit the uh, dollar loan center. i wonder is that national did i just quote the utah ad that nobody else knows i don't know
1: dollar loan center i don't know how many dollar loan centers there are but yeah try to stay
2: away (laughs) from them friends how do you how do you feel about both doing it do you think he should have asked for help from his friends eight shots is not i mean sim for sure could help him with that
1: sure it's not a lot like it's not a
2: lot. Yeah.
1: He has a reputation to maintain. Yep. He wants to maintain that reputation even amongst his friends. Yeah. Uh, who am I to say? I'm not giving you a good answer.
2: It's okay. You don't have to, I guess. I For me. It's easy to say, yeah, just do it, man. <sighs> yeah. You'll totally
0: be all right with it. I'm trying to think like if I like my best friend. You know, like in high school or college,
2: like,
3: I'm
2: not sure there was anything I wouldn't tell him. Sure. I mean, very little, but money's a a weird thing. Again, complicated. It is. It is. Yeah.
1: It does show that there's risks he's not willing to take. Yeah. He said he briefly considered trying to cut purse the money, but he knew it was a bad idea um because Because he would eventually be expelled (laughs) right i couldn't risk it Mm -hmm. so there is you know he talks about reckless bravery or whatever but there are limits and like if he can't
0: afford tuition and get into the next semester then what's the point the risk of being expelled yeah i I have a question though like can you can you come back can you just be like i gotta take a semester off i have to take a semester off i can't i just don't have the money Mm -hmm. i'm gonna go you know, do some odd jobs, mow some lawns, you know, I'll come back and I'll, I'll be back next semester. Like, do they allow you to do
3: that? I don't know.
1: I don't know. I don't know. We've seen an example
0: of that. But, but the fact that he doesn't even bring it up as an option.
1: Mm
3: -hmm.
0: I mean, I guess there's two choices. Either it doesn't exist. Like you can't do that once you're out, you're out or, or it's just indicative of how both sprain works. There is no stop. There's Mm -hmm. no, there's no back. There's no pause. It's forward, forward always. No, no excuses, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I wonder if that's why it doesn't come up. If I look back, I'm lost. That's right, Daenerys Targaryen. Hmm. The beginning of this chapter starts with uh, a little
0: description of slow care versus stealth in approaching <laughs> somebody who's a, 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 a wild thing um it strikes me the main difference is just the intent the intention one implies that you want to surprise them and take them unaware and get some advantage and the other one implies like an honest open approach
1: yeah you want to put them at ease maybe yeah
3: yeah -hmm.
0: i thought it was a just a, a little i mean pat could have left that out and just kept going with the story but it's a nice little so a nice little view into kind of how we should view this person, right?
1: Yeah, not as a prize to be won. Yeah. Or something like that.
0: And that he doesn't, maybe part of the conversation we'll talk about later, but he doesn't view this person as prey to
2: be caught. Absolutely. Right? He views this as someone that needs to be, you know, taken care of and right. make sure they feel safe and secure and agree to
0: this is all
1: happening well he's certainly taking it slow buddy because he says all this at the first few paragraphs and he proceeds (laughs) to just talk about money yes so yes goodness gracious
0: (laughs) yeah well it it, at the the end of the last chapter he says okay let's let's talk about the girl then let's do it and he's like and then he does i can talk about the girl (laughs) let's talk about (laughs) hold on set the stage yep What the heck
1: kind of stage is this quote? Get to
0: it. (laughs) Where's the girls? I don't have much else uh, in this section. It is indeed. We'll move to negotiations.
1: Let's get to a longer chapter. Oh yeah. Okay. This, again, this is called negotiations. You know, Scat, Emory sounds like a place I'd like. Uh, It's a couple miles from the university. So it wasn't a college town. Um, And it's like two days from Tarbine. And so it wasn't a big stinking city either. It was a haven for the arts where musicians, actors, sculptors, poets, and others of that ilk thrived. All things seen as frivolity by those at the university, even though they came to see the performances and to be entertained. You know, you got to go to shows. Uh, And you know what? Those in Emory were very wary of what was being learned at the university. Uh, even though they called upon their engineers, doctors, and others in times of need. You know, in the end, there was, as the author says, a grudging tolerance of each other, which is an interesting way to look at it, being those at the university versus those in Emory. Quoth, as a general rule, steered clear of the city. Hearing the music and not being able to participate in it was just too much for him. But he was desperate, and he'd heard that Devi in Emory, was the person anyone could ask for a loan from. As he arrived at Debbie's secluded place of business down an alley and behind a butcher shop, he was surprised to find that Debbie was a girl. Oh, and a pretty one at that. Cute as a button. Cute as a button. But she drew a hard bargain. Four talents was the minimum she would loan. At 50% interest. Due by the end of the two-month term. quoth blanches. He didn't need four talents. He needed like one, maybe two. And he wasn't interested in paying interest on money he didn't really need in the first place. But Devi was firm. Them's are the rules. So quoth, asked where to sign. That's when Devi pulled out a small brown bottle and a long pin. Just a little blood, she says. Whoa, nope, 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 nope. Quoth quickly deduces that Devi is actually an arcanist of sorts, or at least studied enough in the field to know what can be done with someone else's blood. Remember, listeners, what Quoth did with Master Hem's hair, and then multiply it exponentially. Devi admits that she made Raylar before leaving the university, and that having someone's blood is a great way to keep tabs on them. She said rarely does it come to her actually having to use it. The threat of doing so is usually sufficient to keep the debtors in line. Uh, and Devi, now seeing that she's losing, quoth, offers to make an exception um, and offer, you know, to drop the loan to two talents. We can do two; that's fine. But he's adamant. No way is he giving up his blood to an arcanist, and he leaves. Dodged a bullet. Yes. Still in need of money by tomorrow? Very much so. <laughs> so resigned to asking his friends for help. He's going to do what Skad and I don't want to do. He starts back to the university and passes by a pawn shop's window. He goes inside. How much for the seven-string loot, he asks. And after some haggling, where he talks the pawn shop owner down from four pat talents to just over two, which is about all the money he had to begin with, Quoth walks out of there with a new old loot. He then returns to Devi's loot in hand and tells her he'll take the four talents. He gives up the blood, which she seals with the promise to return to him, still sealed and unused upon repayment of the loan. And back to the university he goes with, as he says, money in my purse and the comforting weight of the loot strap hanging from my shoulder. It was secondhand, ugly, and had cost me dearly in money, blood, and peace of mind. I loved it like a child, like breathing,
2: like my own right hand. And that's the end of the chapter. Uh Uh-huh. What a turn of events.
1: He says he doesn't even, (laughs) when he's telling this story to the chronicler, he says he doesn't even remember actually entering the pawn shop. Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's he alludes to this a little bit earlier in the chapter when he talks about the fact that he went to a went to some people playing some music and could barely tolerate it. Um, Not having music in his life is such a detriment that it's almost like he's not himself. Yeah, even and yeah, when he makes this choice to buy the loot, every single level-headed reader like myself is like, I could not be friends with this guy. You just <laughs> you just refused a loan that would get you into school that you say is the most important thing and now you're spending all the money you have on a loot. And not even but, a great loot. Not a great loot. Yep. It's uh, not perfect. His negotiating style is perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it almost feels like well, even though I'm criticizing it it almost feels like this loot gives him the confidence to go do all the other stuff he needs to do. Yeah. Now that he's got this, the world is, is always certain he can make everything happen.
1: Stella got his groove back. Yeah. right.
0: He just, he just marches right back to Devon. He's like, great loan full four need it. Going to pay Blood, you back. It's going to be fine. Blood yep. fine. I got my loot. It's going to be fine.
1: Yeah. I got my loot. It's going to be fine.
0: <laughs> yeah. He's got his groove back. I think that's a great way to put it.
1: Um, he says, without my music, this is to your point, I'd, I had wandered Tarbine for years, half alive like a crippled veteran or one of the walking dead. We talked about that in the episodes of how Quoth lost himself for three yeah. years there. He attributes it, it to not having music in his life.
2: Yeah,
0: which is, I think, a little unfair given all the time they spent on uh, the different doors. That your mind goes through of burying memories and things yeah, grief, i think uh-huh. a lot of that stuff in Tarbin had to do with just his brain not willing to process trauma sure. um but perhaps it's related right i mean the, Maybe the loop music that would have process helped, the trauma yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right so you know it's, it's all probably part and parcel to the the experience there in Tarbin. but um yeah i think i think it you know not having this in his life you know, we we have to remember it's only been since he since he since his brain woke in Tarby and it's been two weeks, right, before he gets whipped. And then he's it's probably another six weeks now when it's it's come to, to be tuition. Right. So he's gone without music in his life other than when he stole dudes loot at the campfire that one day, mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know, for, you know, two two plus months, two months and a couple weeks. Maybe, and yeah I think he's he's just been without it for too long and doesn't remember going to the pawn shop it's almost just like he was compelled to do it to get a piece of himself back
1: right right and he doesn't know how it's gonna help yeah but he knows it's gonna or does he yeah yeah it's almost you, think, you see the writing on the wall you see what he's what what can happen here, right? And you start to see it in the later chapters where he talks about I need to practice and get to a point where I'm good enough again. It sounds like he's going to start performing. He's going to start busking, you know, for money, and that's going to be a way to make money for him. At least that's what I'm reading.
0: I th- I think um, he gets to that point by the end of the the chapters we're going to read. I'm not sure he's there yet. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Does he this go into this like more like with I plan? have to be whole? Right. I don't think so. I don't think he went in with a plan. I think he just felt like I have to be whole, and then he's mm-hmm. like, "Well, I'm whole now. Now that I'm whole, I can go take the money. I'll, I can do I'm this. confident. I can do it. Right, right, right.
2: The, the Devi Loan Center comes through for him. How do you feel? How do you feel about it? That's a huge
0: rate, like you said, fifty percent.
2: Oh, it's awful. It's I awful. Mean,
0: it's it's not even just fifty percent. It's It's fifty percent of the original amount, always every term. Yeah. So, like, if he pays back a talent, you'd think he just has to pay fifty percent out of talent. Nope. Nope. It's still on two talents talents. every
1: term. Yes. Until the loan's paid back.
0: Right. So it's it's awful, and there's
1: and she's got your blood
0: and can kill you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, she must. She must really pretty much never do this. She says her clientele is university students it would be a rumor mill all over the university if more than occasionally this went poorly. Right. Sure. Sure. Feels, feels like, so it's, I don't know if both came to that conclusion or not, but I did and he's smarter than me. So,
2: you know, maybe he just kind of said, you know, this is probably just going to be fine. Yeah. But it still doesn't seem fine. He, he does
0: seem still, very nervous about it in the oncoming chapters, right? Even, even the
2: next two that we're going to cover here. So, quote. quoth, yeah. It is interesting. Yeah. Right before
1: he goes into that pawn shop, he says, Uh, even as I tried my talk to self my, myself into it, which was borrowing money, I knew the truth, it was a bad idea. Um. <laughs> But then he goes into a pawn shop and and buys a loot. Uh-huh. It's it's one thing I love about Quoth, uh, and that I wish I was better at, and that is this: betting on yourself. Oh. I am not good at oh. betting on myself.
0: Agreed. Yeah, I'm same. pretty terrible
1: at it, and I'm ashamed to say that. Quoth uh, bets on himself all the time.
2: It's all he's got,
1: and. I mean, it's kept him alive to this point. Yeah. And I love that about him. Like you said, I'm whole now. I can move forward. Yeah. Right. And yeah, yeah, it's almost like. Is it is it that idea of put your mask on first in the airplane, the oxygen mask on first before you can help other people
2: Mm -hmm. like. Yeah, you've got to be whole first. Couldn't have done it
0: without the loot, period. Right. Right? Doesn't matter whether I took the loan or not.
2: You know, it didn't matter without the loot. Mm -hmm. I have to be me first. Right. Yeah, it's... Like, from a storytelling perspective,
0: it's a little hard to read for me because it's like, well, you did go without it for two months.
2: (laughs) You know, you were living.
3: Uh You know?
2: You had friends. It was kind of okay. But... I like it. I mean, I, you know, I know where the story goes, so I guess I'm
0: biased. But I, yeah, I, I it looks like a really bad decision.
2: Sure.
0: Not willing, not Impulsive. willing to take a two talent loan to get what you need. Waste your money, then go back for double the amount that you were going to be able to get. It seems really bad, yeah. but, but if if it allows him to move forward better than
2: cope, that's probably a long term win. Right we're going to see very soon. We are going to see very soon. I was just, you know, it's
1: interesting. I was just talking to a buddy at work today. Yep. Yeah. Um and this guy, great dude, such a great dude. Um married for I think about 20 years and just recently divorced, you know, and is kind of living a new life and he Attributes to people have said to him like you just look happier, like you walk with your head held a little higher. You're just like brimming with confidence. You know what happened? And he goes, (laughs) honestly, he said he (laughs) he he pulls up his sleeve and he's got a tattoo on his on his wrist, Mm -hmm. and he goes, it was this tattoo, this one right here, and they said, and it's like, what do you mean? He goes, this was the first thing that I did for me just because I wanted to mm. in 20 years or whatever it's the first thing I did for me and that that carries with it like a, a weightlessness almost it carries yeah. a weightlessness <laughs> it maybe a weightlessness out of it <laughs> uh, <laughs> think <laughs> your first. words Matt think your words um but you know what I mean like yeah. it, it, there's a, it, it, it awakened something in him. It was yeah. something that he did just for him and it made him complete again and gave him that momentum that he needed to find that new lease on life to where he was taking care of himself. And that allowed him to succeed in other areas of life too.
0: So It's a big thing, right? Realizing that you're not taking <clears throat> care of yourself and yeah. finding what you think it is to even, I mean, some people struggle to even know what that is, right? Right to know what it would even mean to take care of themselves. Myself, I order a delicious <laughs> chili verde burrito every week. It's a start, and it's, yeah, that's something I do for me.
3: Uh huh. Yeah, enough. but yeah, yeah. That,
0: no, it's it seems like a small thing. It's like that ta- the tattoo changed your life. Well, it's not even that cool. It's, of a it's, tattoo, man. It's what the it's what the tattoo. Resembled in what he recognized about his needs, right?
1: Right. yep. and then taking that and building on it, you know. Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah, allowing it to mean something and propel him along emotionally.
0: But back to the chili verde burritos, because that sounds awesome.
1: I want a chili verde burrito right now.
0: Right by your house. It's on seventy eighth south. And oh, sorry, I'm about to tell like where you live. Well it's not exactly they have like thousands of houses. Yeah, to from. we'll
1: be fine. We'll be fine.
0: Yeah. It's it's Is
1: it between Redwood and thirteenth?
2: It's between it's between Redwood and no. No, the other the other way, west. West oh. of
0: you. West of you. Oh,
2: okay. All right. If you we'll
0: came talk. if you if you came out, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We'll talk. All it's right. delicious.
1: I love me a good burrito.
0: So. There are many closer Mexican places to where I am. And I go
2: to this place because it's good. It's good. Yeah. Let's see yeah. if
1: they're open. I love Mexican food so much <laughs> and it makes me so sad. Oh, yeah. Awful. But... Yeah,
0: yeah. Really bad. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Nothing well, leads like... <laughs> to more like, like just surefire regret for me <laughs> than eating Mexican food. It is so good going in yeah. and so bad after everything after that. Yeah. Initial going in.
0: Well, then maybe I won't send you the location of this place. No, Welcome everyone don't. to the Double's Fingers Podcast, where we talk about Mexican food regularly,
1: <laughs> and the Goo Goo Dolls, and <laughs> yeah. how aggressive we get in
0: our rec league sports. <laughs> in sports, uh, I haven't played for ten years.
1: <laughs> One thing I love about Quoth Scad, yeah, is he's both sides of this university and imre rivalry. Yes, that's cool, man. What a yes. well balanced individual. He's of course he is, he, he's yeah. Yeah. he is because he's perfect yeah so perfect yeah uh, and he's also dabbling in the dark arts uh, that are taught at the university according mm-hmm. to you know Imre's populace
0: if he's so perfect if there was also a sport a third town that was a sports town
2: I'm sure he'd find a way to fit in there too. he'd be in it yeah yeah I bet he's good at pickleball uh... <laughs> My kids are
0: getting into pickleball. Everyone's in a pickleball. I'm not. Uh. I will be the last holdout. Pawnee uh, and Eagleton. I have a note. Oh, for <laughs> for, for and the university, maybe. Like they just kind of hate each other. Except Pawnee and Eagleton, they don't get along at all, really, do they? So no. it's not really exactly the same.
1: Right.
2: Yeah. I have the, by <laughs> the that way, one where
0: your... they come together. He's
1: like Pawnee and Eagleton. What we don't. Well, how do I describe this? Pawnee is just have no money. <laughs> you're just so you're just so have no money or something yeah. like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, your summary put it almost exactly the way I have it in my notes. Imra sounds just like the place to be. Sure. Art, it sounds trade, awesome. Art, trades, well-kept lawns, technology. They've got everything you need. Yeah, It sounds like exactly it what it It sounds great. Yeah. 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 It sounds awesome.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna buy land there.
0: Yeah, you can go Invest. travel with the with the rue. I'm gonna yeah. just yeah. Well, the l- rue the roo life really does sound pretty great. So simple,
2: land ownership, Matt. We've yeah. all been fooled. All mm-hmm. right, uh, move on. Yeah, let's do it. Tarantin, chapter fifty one.
0: Quoth has risen in the ranks of the fishery. His hard work and dedication earning him the right to study sigilry with Quoth, uh, which Quoth describes as sympathy made solid. Essentially, it is use of runes that have power within them to perform sympathetic bindings on solid objects. There were 197 runes, and learning how they fit together to have an effect was like learning a new language. While it took most students a month to learn it, Quoth did it in seven days because he's Quoth and because he got lucky. But on this night, Quoth decided to squeeze in some loot practice. Before making his way to the fishery, he's found a nice, secluded, overgrown courtyard that is the perfect place for him to practice. And on this night, he does not he does it from one of the buildings that overlook that courtyard. He was halfway through Ten Tap Tim, a song he knows well, when he hears a rustling in the hedges and a vaguely metallic thud. He investigates the hedge, which is quite large and big enough for a person to lay down in. But there's no one hiding in there, nor does it appear anyone slipped out of the windows of the buildings that surrounded the courtyard. So he pushes through the hedge, and there he finds a metal grate that appears to be locked by two runes of sigilry, Ule and Yolk. He quickly composes a song to the tune of Ten-Tap Tim that helped him memorize some of the last runes that he needed to move on in the fishery. As he stands up to leave, Cloth's hand is placed on an apple. Despite there being no apple tree anywhere near this particular spot, the apple tree happens to be on the other side of the courtyard. This apple must have been carried. A Good deduction. After passing his civility test with the help of the Song, Kvothe has was apprenticed under Menet, friend and student of nearly 30 years at the university. Menet was patient and considerate and no-nonsense, teaching Quoth the basics and moving on to more complicated projects in no time. But time was still actually the problem. The high-paying levels uh, for artificing work still eluded him, and time was running out for him to make the six talents he would owe Devi. Two, just an interest. And that's the end of the chapter.
2: Kind of a little weird, updatey chapter.
1: It's a weird one, Scott. It, it's uh, it's him. It's it's a it's a little bit of world building. We learn about how awful ruining is. Um, I don't even know why it's a thing. It sounds terrible.
2: I think it sounds awesome.
1: Really? Yeah.
2: Oh man. You sounds are- great. You carve little symbols into the stuff, and it makes but then them you have do to change
1: things. this symbol to this symbol to make this do this. Oh my goodness!
0: Yeah, but it's like it's like like you said, it's like a language. Once you know how to do, you don't think about how you write a sentence. Really, you just write it. They know he knows how the symbols work. Maybe you make a mistake every now and then. You gotta fix it up or whatever, but you know, no big deal. Right. I think it's cool. It's 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 the it's the mechanical engineering version of magic right it really
1: is yeah there's like super
0: magic which is naming there's you know uh sympathy which is like the the fake magic that kvothe doesn't appreciate that he learned from ben you know about making the jots the same or what we've seen him do in in his classes and then there's this which is like let's turn the magic into like Marketable objects. Right. That's cool. <laughs> you don't like it. All right. That's
1: fine. You can uh, disagree. Let me just say the idea of it is cool. The idea of me doing it is <laughs> not you super just appealing to me. Live in IMRA and buy <laughs> these projects is what you want to do. Listen, I would totally just be the IMRA guy being like, hey, university, toilets clogged again. You send a plumber out. That's. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't yeah. want to know how they do it. Just
0: fix it. I'm gonna hey, go play my loot. Hey, university. I need to do I need a new lamp that, that glows. Yeah. Uh excellent. We have these different options. I don't care. I just need a lamp that glows. Yep. Yeah. yep.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna go back to playing my loot now. You have two-day yeah. shipping? All right.
0: Great. Yeah. <laughs> uh I I really like the way he puts it. Sympathy made solid. Right, It's yeah. taking these components of, of magical elements that they understand and turning them into solid objects that can be used and maintained. I, I love that the way of thinking about that. Is it something that anybody could do?
1: Like if anyone yeah. was just able to get a key to all the different runes, could they potentially be doing magic with them?
2: It's a good question. I don't know it feels like uh, it, it seems like it, to be honest,
0: it seems like if you just had, you know, your cheat sheet and you knew which things to do, you'd probably make a lot of mistakes or whatever, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, yeah it, to, to some degree it feels like maybe something you could teach yourself over time. You'd screw up mm-hmm. a lot, right. And be costly as you ruined the materials and stuff as you went, but it's like, maybe it's kind of like teaching yourself automotive mechanics right it's like that's true different you're gonna cars screw require up different a, things and, yeah you're gonna screw up a bunch but you you know like you get manuals and you you can learn it probably i don't mean to i don't mean to diminish i don't think those technicians because they're saying, how brilliant and they know. Yeah, yeah it's very complicated uh-huh. you don't know what you're, you're i mean yeah <laughs> all i tried to do was change a battery in my rav4 <laughs> a few months ago and the number of things i had to remove and take off to even get Did access not to go the battery well. It took me three hours, man, to change a battery in my Rav4, to to get
2: to just to get access to it and get rid of it. It was insane.
1: Yeah, I can understand that completely. Yeah, yeah.
2: But
0: here's one thing that helps both about the sigilary stuff. He doesn't need the cheat sheet because he has music. Music becomes right. his cheat sheet, and he uses music to help memorize all this stuff. And it really is tr- like. That's such a good cheat. I still remember from, what is it? Eighth grade when we learned the Africa song. I can still <laughs> sing it. I can still sing that song, Matt, with no practice. The in- Africa song. Cape Verde, Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia. you didn't learn this? I did not learn that. I thought every kid in Utah learned this. Tunisia, Libya, Egypt Sudan and Chad and Niger Mali, Mali, really? You don't know this thing?
1: I'm looking at you with the most incredulous face because I never learned the Africa song. I did learn 50 nifty United States Oh sure,
3: Alabama,
1: Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas California, Colorado
0: Connecticut, right? I remember that one I remember that one. I also learned the, the world song from the Animaniacs which I still know Oh most of right wow and it's just amazing how music how brains how our brains work like that but like you set it to music and you can remember it like basically forever yeah yeah it's weird Mm -hmm. it's it's weird weird and beautiful yeah it's like i can understand biologically how we evolved to do a lot of things i don't understand how music became an unlocking mechanism for memory
1: It really is. It's like our our bodies and our minds are attuned to melody, and it's pretty cool.
2: It's pretty cool. It is. is. I'm going to get weirded out if I keep thinking about it. All right. Let's talk about something else. (laughs) I still don't Uh, know who
1: the girl is, unless it's Debbie.
2: The girl? Oh, well, yeah. We haven't been introduced to it yet. Right?
1: We're like Two chapters Debbie. after he said he was going to tell us about her, and still here, not there. here we are. It could be Debbie, <laughs> it, could be. it could be, it could be Debbie. That was my first thought. Uh, but we he never, he never said, like, this is the girl, no, Debbie, no, no, so no. So
0: that's what made me wonder. Uh, she is on his mind, he's constantly thinking about her and how she'll kill yeah. him if he doesn't uh-huh. pay her. Yeah. What kind of on just, your mind is it though? Yeah just, yeah. just the kind of relationship you want. <laughs> the leading lady in your story.
3: Uh-huh.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Uh huh. What do you think about this courtyard that he's found to he play in? So cool. I wish I had yeah. one. Yeah, I didn't do a great job in the summary. It's essentially completely walled off. Yeah. And you've got to like climb a building or climb out a window to find it. Like you can't, there's no way in there. Unless you are quoth and don't care about rules and just go exploring. And yeah, find it's a stuff. guy
1: who's lived in the street for three years. He's right. going to be able to find these, but your usual yeah. university student
0: isn't even going to look for it. It's overgrown. It's not maintained. This hedge is giant. And apparently there's somebody in there. it seems like that carries yeah, apples. Knows yeah. To greats and those and yeah, no citrus.
1: At least so. a bit of it. Yeah. Um, it sounds awesome. Just like you always yeah. want to have your own little hiding place, or your like own your little, little spot. Fort. Yeah. 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 Place to just call your own. Get
2: away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Sounds awesome. I want one.
2: Short little chapter. I don't have much
0: else here uh, other than Mene is awesome. Uh, my, appreci- yeah. my appreciation for Mene goes up uh, every time I read this book. He just seems like no nonsense, but also not overly serious.
1: He's patient, considerate, yep. he's described, reminds yep. him of Ben. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Anyway. Anything else for this one? Nope. Move on to Burning, Chapter 52.
0: This is a longer one. Met the world to both to have a lute and music back in his life, but he was out of practice, and it took him weeks to get back to being really comfortable playing. If he could spend more time, he could have come faster, but both is a busy man these days. And as stated in the previous summary, his time to pay back his loan is running out. Between the medica, lectures, and his apprenticeship to learn sigiltry in the fishery, he had a committed seven hours a day, but he also had three hours of advanced sympathy class with Oksadal, and when you added in his project work at the fishery where he could make some dough, he barely had time to eat and sleep. The music itself was hard to squeeze in, let alone enough to get good quickly. But he did, and over time, his body paid the price. He really wore down, and his friends were starting to notice. Quoth had been neglecting his friends to keep his crazy schedule. The will, Quoth seemed appeared to be uh, sick, while Sim insisted he was lovesick with a pretty girl across the river in Imran. Quoth was embarrassed to tell them how hard up he was for money. He didn't have much, but he had his pride. And the truth was, he wasn't likely to pay Debbie back and still afford tuition next term anyway. He was likely to be out of, the, out of the university after just two terms. But his explanation of being busy falls on some pretty deaf ears. Sim, still thinking he's spending all his time with a girl is deeply hurt by the lack of time he gets. They were all busy, he argued. You still had to prioritize your friends, even over girls sometimes. When Quoth insists there is no girl, Will gets closer to the mark. We all bite off too much sooner or later, but some students don't know when to spit their mouth full. They burn out, they quit or botch their exams, some crack. It usually happens in the first year. Both resist that. He thinks this is not the case. But Will tells him to look in the mirror as Quoth rushes off to advanced sympathy. In that advanced sympathy class, they learn about fire, the most common form of energy for a sympathist to use. It's academic, but in this class, they also learn to use it. They regularly do battle against each other via sympathy so they can defend themselves against other Arcanists when they go out into the real world. It is an opportunity for Quoth to get his ego stroked, since he's yet again the best student in the class, of course, but also for him to earn a little bit of money. Elksadal looks the other way while students bet on the duels. Today, Quoth is battling the second-place student, Fenton, a real threat to his undefeated streak, Quoth thinks. Further risk added, since today, Quoth has a trick up his sleeve to improve the betting odds against him. He has given Savoy all the money he has, two jots, and asks him to bet it all on him after the duel is set. By using poor components, straw in this case, to act as a link to candles instead of the wick that Fenton has, which is a much closer link, the students will see that he has a big disadvantage of bet against him, despite how good he always is. This will improve how much he makes if he should win. But at the announcement of this poor link, Fenton plays it smart and asks for no energy source. All they will have to draw from is their own body heat. Both couldn't win. He knew it. So he immediately set a strategy to defense, distraction, and obfuscation. He focuses all his energy on making sure Fenton could not light his own candle and focused little energy on trying to light Fenton's candle. But something strange was starting to happen. While Kvothe was growing clammy, his arms were getting cold, Fenton seemed to be taking it worse. He was twitching his eyes glossing over, and his hand tremored. He passed out on the table with the chills. Fenton's candle lit up as his defense dropped to zero and Quoth willed it to light despite the weak link. Fenton had drawn his own blood to try and use it as a heat source to light the candle, but wasn't successful, and the effects were dangerous. After using blankets, sympathy, and actual medicine to warm Fenton up, the class got two last lessons from Elksadal. First, be careful with blood. The blood, when used as a source of heat, chills the whole body as a unit rather than sections like Quoth felt in his arms. And the body is warm for a reason. It doesn't want to lose several degrees of body temperature throughout. Second, better to know your honest limit than overguess your abilities and lose control. Turns out if they hadn't been there to help, apparently Fenton would have fallen asleep and died. Fenton's mistake nearly cost him his life, but it earned Quoth two talents. And his poor Link had given him an 11 to 1 odds against to allow that. Money in his pocket, but he returns to the muse after being turned away at the fishery. Apparently, Will and Sim, the good friends that they are, had spoken to Kilvin about Quoth State. And he was temporarily banned from his work in the fishery. Nobody wanted him to crack. He was furious at first, but he played some music, calmed down, realized that he wasn't going to make enough tuition working there anyway. So how would he would solve
2: this problem? Tell me everything you know about the Aeolian, he demands from his friends. And that's the end of the chapter.
1: Wait till next time, Kalasar, to even find out what time. that is.
0: That's correct, the Eolian.
1: Uh, another example of "quoth" betting on himself
0: literally, right? Yeah, yeah, literally. Ballsy. Yeah, and I didn't include it my summary, but he was kind of given a—he was given the short, the short stick there. Usually, he would have been able to choose the source, and for some reason, Elksdahl, I guess, just because he's so good, he decided to let Fenton also choose the source. All right. Yeah. So it kind of screwed him up. But uh, yeah, bet everything he had and played defense, and I still don't really get how the math works. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't really get how he could get if if he's. He says in the chapter, I think that he's only going to get like 3% energy transfer. So if he takes even a hundred degrees from his body, he'd get three degrees to the candle. I don't know how that starts a fire,
1: but yeah. Or of the total. Yeah.
2: I don't really get it. Maybe you
1: just have like, to work harder for less. You kind of just have to yeah, like keep it there. Yeah. You work, you have to
0: work super hard for not a lot. Yeah. If yeah. I ever, if I ever meet Pat, uh, I'll ask him that question, though. Maybe not. I'm sure there he'll, are better questions to ask.
1: He'll be like, Ooh.
0: maybe he seems really into like the science side of this stuff.
1: For real, dude. The fact that he even came up with this yeah. whole way of doing things is just pretty mind boggling. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah.
0: Good friends sometimes do things for you that you can't do for yourself.
1: Absolutely.
0: who have never made that choice for himself he would have cracked first for sure
1: and interesting that he needed the music to become whole Mm. yet it was also contributing to the cracking because it was one more thing on his list of things he had to do
2: yeah but he didn't have to
1: if he didn't need it to be whole If he didn't
2: want to become
0: like if he didn't want to, he could have slept, but he wanted to feel
2: whole, right? So he added it. But yeah, drop something, man. Drop Mm -hmm. drop a couple credit hours. Yeah. Um yeah. Good friends. You'd think, yeah, good friends. Good friends. It's almost like
1: they don't know the whole story, right? He hasn't been completely open to them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In terms of explaining his situation and where he is, and that's also what a good friend does: is they don't force that and they still support you. It's like we know something's going on here. Yeah. We know that your life and your road to hoe is a lot more difficult than what ours is. Yep. Yeah. And you're not ready to tell us about that yet. And that's okay. We're still just going to support you. It's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome.
2: In this case, they did a little more than support. They yeah.
1: meddled. We're going to proactively support.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Metal. Um, which, you know, you wonder if Quoth had been honest with them about the money. They might not have. They'd have been like, ah, he needs the money. We can't, we can't get in the way of this or something.
1: Or maybe we should, we should donate them. he wouldn't even have to ask. They'd just be like, they'd probably just give it it to
0: you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's probably true. Yeah.
1: But then again, they probably know by now of his intense pride. Yes. uh, And how that would make him feel.
0: Yeah. So we talked a little bit earlier about, uh, the number of students at the university. It says in this chapter that, uh, about a hundred people leave every year Mm -hmm. about 25 leave with their guilders with as like full-fledged arcanists, which means like 75 flunk out or choose to go or whatever right and we know there are 1500 students enrolled at a time so some some basic math tells me
2: you know you're like the average student is there for like 15 years right if a hundred leave every year for whatever reason for whatever
0: i mean it's got to be more than that actually because Mm. lots of them are going to make it five or six years and then leave or three years and then leave so the ones that actually make it
2: they're staying 15 20 years Mm. right i come in at 20 so if i'm not if only a hundred leave, you wouldn't expect me to leave
0: yet after my first year or my second year. Right. I don't know. It's all, it's all fuzzy math, but like, I think they're there for a fuzzy. long time is my point. It's yeah. Not, this is, this is not like a two or three, four year commitment. This is like, you're there for a bit.
1: Totally. And it's so far, we haven't seen any sort of standardization like in terms no. of a, like a four year degree a bachelor's no. degree so no. yeah it's like as far as i can infer it's like you study until you're ready like however yeah. long it happens to take you
0: and ready for what right like i feel like yeah what are you going out and both do? could probably leave now and go do sigiltery for a living right i mean he'd be he could go to any town anywhere and and make products for people through sigilry that would gladly would easily see him live a content life,
1: and I think we see people doing that, right? Potentially,
0: I don't. I don't know. I feel like we should see people doing that if we're sending twenty five of them or more out every year. Seems they go like when
1: they kind of use what they have, yeah, to eke out a living, maybe to various
2: degrees of success. Yeah, so. hmm. but like the town his Rue troops stopped at
0: where they didn't want to let them play in the, they didn't want, the, want to let them play in the town center. Right. Right. Probably they should have had a guy there. Some guy would have wandered through and been like, Oh, you don't have a guy to make you lamps and do the things. I'll do that here. Sure.
1: I can do that. You
0: know, mm-hmm. yeah. just uh, I, I like thinking about these things as a component of how the world works. Right, right. What are what are these twenty five that leave every year go do? Right, like yeah. Are they do they go? Are they teachers like Abanthi Like they just go teach rich kids sons stuff, or they become? Where they yeah, go about?
1: Because like, Abanthi kind of started out peddling things, kind of yeah. like yeah,
0: maybe they come yeah.
1: medicine or yeah. whatever.
0: Yeah. Anyway.
1: Yeah, it's it, interesting to me, and it makes you wonder: like, is it worth it? You know.
0: well yeah that's a whole different question why what yeah do they go there with a goal like i'm gonna study eight years and i'm gonna learn these things and then i'm gonna leave and i'm gonna do this or is it like you know
2: i want to learn more and i don't know right which is how i went to college (laughs) right absolutely absolutely
3: yeah Well, yeah. It's a
2: long
0: chapter. I don't have a ton of notes on it. A lot of that chapter involves the battle, which is fun to read, but I don't know that there's a ton of talking points unless you want to get into like the depths of sympathy, which,
2: you know, we could. Um, I Sometimes I struggle with the rules, you know, like I said, I don't know how he summons
0: enough energy to actually light the candle. Um, but they do talk. I didn't cover early in my summary, but they break their mind into two parts Right, one to attack the other
1: person's Focus scandal, on offense, one yeah. to
2: defend their own. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. Right. Yeah, it's one of those where you kind of almost just have to accept it after
0: a minute. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you can go. <laughs> I he a did lot it. Of
0: the Star Wars books were reading. He did it. Yep. You mean he they swung it. through the gravi- gravitic anomaly, and then I'm like, okay, fine, it just <laughs> happened. <laughs>
3: Okay, fine.
0: <laughs>
1: uh um you know, they weren't completely off base Will and Sim when they talked about the girl taking up all his time. I would just say that the girl is music.
2: Music the muse. Yeah. It's a good uh it's a it's a good pull right there
0: it wasn't taking all his time, but it was taking, it was, it was, it, you're right. It, it kind of feels like it was the thing that pushed him over to, to not having enough time to sleep and stuff. Right.
1: We spend time with it. Yeah. It was a couple hours a day. Right. That he yeah. was doing it. And I mean, right. it's a couple hours back that could be having lunch with your friends and chilling out a little bit.
0: But part of me thinks if he could have just lasted that, like one more, one more week, probably we could have started practicing less. He'd get it back. He'd have his groove back. Probably could, you know, give some time back to his friends and sleep. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not a musician. I don't know, but it feels that way. Feels that way. Yeah. So he's now got a money problem. I mean, he had a money, kind of when he comes to terms with his chapters, he had a money problem anyway. He was not going to make enough to pay Debbie back and to pay for tuition. Right. And so he's like, well, them getting me kicked out of the Fisher didn't change much. I've got to come up with a different plan. Right. So now we wait with bated breath for the next set of chapters to see if he comes up with a plan.
2: Yeah.
1: Completely. Again, all these chapters from the moment his parents died have been the hero's journey, but also subverting the hero's journey a little bit of like, you can go on a hero's journey and it's going to cost you, but money like, like, (laughs) not like, eat, cost remember? like it's a sacrifice it's a significant financial yeah. cost that we're talking eat, about here yeah yeah and i love that rothfuss does that it's yeah. maddening it's frustrating it's like i'm yeah. constantly just like feeling this pressure for Quoth of like how's he gonna pay for this how's he gonna pay for this but it's also real
0: and I, I remember i can't remember who it was but i remember seeing on twitter somebody said i just can't handle that book it gives me too much anxiety Like, like reading about him struggling with money like this. I get it. Yeah. I just can't handle it. And so they, they had to stop reading it. I can't remember Mm. who that
2: was now. If you're listening, you won't be because you didn't read the books, but uh, tell (laughs) me, tell me who you were. Uh, Yeah. You ready for some Debbie? I think so. Debbie loan center. (laughs)
1: All right. Oh, I guess we should intro it a little bit. Um, if uh, guys, if you don't want to be spoiled, like we said at the top of the podcast, turn it off now. Cause we're going to get into spoilers, uh, but join us next time. We're going to have some more fun. Eolian. We're going to learn a little bit more about that.
0: Eolian. I think we will. Yeah.
1: And maybe we'll even find out who the girl is if we haven't already. I don't know. It's taking a sweet time, but we'll get there.
0: Five chapters at least
1: <laughs> All right, here we go Debbie After Dark Devi After
0: Dark Uh, Do you want to start
2: with that? Do you want to start with Is the woman Dena? Yeah I don't know It seems like she's the one that's
1: enchanted him the most to this point.
2: Yeah,
0: there's a, yeah, I, there's a few things in favor of of it being Dena. I mean, the way he talk has talked about her already makes it seem like he's still a lovesick puppy about her, mm-hmm. right? So it's either a pretty big troll job, right, by him <laughs> to make to like
2: mislead us, um, you know, or or it's her. He also does treat her very
0: much like the the slow care that we talked about slow care versus stealth that we talked about, which is a sign, you know, that he treats her that way in the future, right? He's just very careful not to sure. like overcommit his feelings or give her too many compliments or do anything that he thinks might frighten her off. He's he treats her very much like a slow care, a slow care thing, which alludes to the fact that it might be here, but the big strike against it is, Linguistic, or or uh, in the text it says she's about to to get her cue to come onto the stage as if we haven't met her already.
2: Oh yeah, uh huh. Mm-hmm.
0: And and we've met Dena already. So honestly, I didn't really think about it until I saw your note. Yeah, it's is it maybe Dena's a distraction, and Debbie is she is heavily involved in the story going forward in this book and the next one. Sure. Yeah. And maybe. Maybe that is who we're talking. Maybe that is who we should be talking about, Mm. right? Yeah. I'll tell you what, I prefer Debbie. She's fun.
1: She's really fun. Do you think he approaches her with that same amount of care that he, you know, kicks this whole thing off with in that silence
0: of a different kind chapter? He approaches her with care for himself, right? He doesn't want her to (laughs) take advantage of him or... You know, agree to some bad terms or have his blood. It doesn't feel like he approaches her with much care, other than for himself. Not about startling right. her. Devi is a very self-assured person that knows her place and what she's doing, and doesn't seem like she needs. You know, she she's she's the predator, right? Not the prey. So That's true. You don't yeah. need to worry about. You don't need to worry about uh, startling her. You need to worry about her startling you.
1: She's so the one no, you that, approach slowly but in like a way of like, don't bite me. (laughs)
0: Self-preservation. Yeah. 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 It's an interesting thought though, because he does say we're going to introduce her. Right. Right. And, and here she is. Yeah. And she, she plays a prominent role and they, you know, without going into too much detail, they kind of fuck each other over a little bit. And that's more interesting than the, then what we get with his relationship with Dennett something that relationship changes in a wise man's sphere as well. His relationship with Dennett becomes mm-hmm. more contentious, and there's some some conflict in there that's uh, very real for the plot of the story. And so it it does evolve, but
2: his relationship with Devi is certainly more interesting, right? To me. Yeah. And hey, that's what matters. Just my opinion.
0: (laughs) What's interesting to you?
1: What's interesting to you?
0: Such a wonderful world it would be. That's all that matters. Only (laughs) what I care about.
1: If only. Um, You know, a lot of the, I think, Debbie After Dark meat is found in that first chapter that we covered, right? Yeah. So much there. Yep. Uh, Eladin's door that's made of copper. Yeah. What is that all about? Yeah. Um, yeah. His, you know, his place in the rookery, his standing now amongst the. You called him an activist. I love that idea. How did he get to that point? You know, yeah. all things of the ever-changing wind chapter. What do you got?
0: Well, sure. Let's let's start with Balodin, and then we can get to. I think the the copper stuff is maybe. Okay. Copper's shown up in this story several times. Hmm. I don't know if the readers always pick up on it or not. Um, but it's shown up a lot. Um we'll kind of touch on some of that. But let's start with and Um, you know, how did he leave? Well, I, th- I think he says in this chapter that he broke down the walls. He tries to do the same
2: thing and it doesn't work. So yeah. I think he left by force, but he was in there for he says two years, right? So like. he either learned the name of a thing to break down the wall over two years and it took him time to
0: learn it somehow. And let's be clear. I don't, I don't think we have any idea how learning naming works. I right. I can't remember reading anything The wise man's fear about it either. It's just kind of like after enough exposure and studying something, you kind of know it. It's weird. Right. I don't think there's
1: that part where, he's like, oh, this has changed when he's about to call the name of some of it and yeah. it doesn't work. And he's like, oh, this has changed. Mm-hmm. And he has to think about it for a few minutes. And
3: yeah. then,
1: ah, got it. Duh, duh, duh. And boom. I right, Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. almost like you're yeah. able to deduce it by through studying or just thinking through it. But it's yeah. a thought process that has to be learned
3: yeah. Mm-hmm. There,
0: there's, there's some interesting thoughts about that word and what it means, like just looking at like the roots of words and things like that. Kyiv alien. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. Of course, I've never listened to the audiobook. book, um, but uh, it could be that the high one, the Sire could mean blue copper Er means that I got this from a wiki entry. Er means related, connected to, and basal is like basalt, like a a type of stone, a very hard stone. So you're talking about like blue copper with stone, and that's what we have with that wall. And then even the N, like the basal doesn't take care of the N at the end, but N as a a post, uh, as a suffix, can mean within. So it could be like uh, blue copper related to basalt within,
3: right? Right.
1: Because there's
0: like copper weaved within it. Right? He's able to put um, those together and but put it all put it all together. yeah, so it's like it almost like almost like sigilry, once you know things, you could put them together with linking verbs and na- and know the name. or is it just he had to remember the name because he knows the name of walls infused with copper, which would be kind of weird. I wouldn't think you'd come across that a lot in nature and've had sure. time to study it, right? So it almost feels like it is just a language. And that you can combine names to make the new names of things. Right? It's a little weird. Most of the, most of the things we have don't feel like they're names for combinations of things. Mm-hmm. And I guess I would also say to that point, when he calls it, the iron isn't affected. Or sorry, the copper isn't affected. Copper. It's a stuff. The wall, around it. the wall comes down, but the copper is still there. Mm-hmm. And so that, that argument is like the Chiarabas doesn't have anything to do with the copper, right? Which leads to what most people think from what I've read is that copper doesn't actually have a name. It can't be named and, or it doesn't have a name. No, no one's found it or, or it doesn't exist. Or maybe even some people think that it's been, that it had a name and it's been taken from it. Like Aliax or somebody took the name away to, to rob it of its power for some reason.
1: And explain the door.
0: Well, right. So, where is copper? It's all over the place, right? We have we have the loden's door. It's the it's the material that's used for the four plated door in mm-hmm. the archive.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it's one of the three locks on the box that Quoth has in his room in the inn. Which means he's
3: good point. Yep. Well, good a lot of
0: the, a lot of the theories say copper is protection against namers that's why the door is made out of copper that's why they infused copper webbing into the wall because they think it'll keep him from getting out right and because he doesn't have any power to name it or 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 anything to affect it same with the lock on the box if if he has two locks of other kinds but he knows namers will just blow through those he can use a copper one to make sure namers can't get in Mm -hmm. right um That's kind of the idea for that. So it's kind of, it's a, I will say, Pat mentioned two things in, in interviews and stuff. Um, One reader sent him a copper knife saying in case he needed to kill a namer. And Pat replied, these guys have been reading closely. And so it's more evidence, right? The copper is a good weapon against namers because they can't, they can't name it. They can't control it. Right. Um, he also said, Interesting. uh, a pair of copper dice is exactly what you need. If you ever have to gamble against a namer. Okay. Yeah. So, that, that about does it for me. Yeah. Like, it, 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 feels like it's for, we don't know whether it never had a name or no one's ever discovered it or just so few people know it, that it's a good resource against namers. Yeah. But, what, what makes copper special? Right. And we don't, we don't really know. Right.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: But it certainly seems like it is. Um, and there's, you know, you can go find all sorts of theories about, about copper. Um, but there's, you know, I did some thinking about it and copper and iron don't mix well, like mm. alchemically. Um, when combined, the iron really suffers. We know uh, the period, <laughs> it's getting a little weird, okay? but like we know the periodic symbol for iron is FE, we know two characters who are Fae, Fae or Chandrian, called Felurian and Ferula. Ferula is actually Cinder's name. Remember Cinder, the guy with the
3: whoa black, scad. black yep. eyes. Okay, okay.
0: So Felurian and Ferula are two creatures that we've we've met. Um, mm-hmm. And we know that the Fae are kind of allergic to iron. We know that copper and iron don't mix don't well. Mix. I don't. I don't know exactly what to draw from it. Like perhaps copper is an element meant to combat them, to like limit limit their power. Sure. Um But also we know that iron does that too. They don't want to touch iron, so it's not a perfect theory. But I don't know. It's just some things I noticed. Um, a song of copper and iron. Yes. A song of a song of copper, iron,
2: and wind. <laughs> uh. Yeah, Uh, I guess you know. Back to Alodin again. Um,
0: I think you know we we know. I don't remember where we've where we learned this, but we know that he was chancellor before.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: We know that it took place about five years before Quoth started at the university, Mm -hmm. and we know from this chapter that he was in the rookery for two years. Right. And so it's likely, you know, that he was chancellor five years ago, uh, went a little bit crazy, right? Got cracked, went for two years to the rookery, and then got out and then kind of got made, kind of got back in the, you know, the good graces and became a master again. Um, So it might be that the reason they hold him in such deference is because before he cracked, he was the highest ranking dude at the whole place. Sure. And so they're like, well, yeah, he's the master. I'm, Of course I'm going to respect him. Of course I fear him. He's He used to be in charge of everything, right? And maybe it's just a little
2: awkward with how to treat him now. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? I think that's part of it for sure.
1: What we see, maybe not from the other masters as much. But what we see in this chapter from the guys that work there is not just deep and abiding respect, but fear They're afraid. Yeah.
3: They're
2: afraid of him. Yeah. Uh so I you know, I if don't want to go something. I don't want to go too sinister. Yeah. But it that's where my mind does go did something happen yeah you know
1: I don't know because it seems like they're not treating him with kid gloves necessarily either like we need yeah. to be careful around this guy or he's gonna lose it and
0: but there is very much a, a palpable concern or hesitancy to, to It's
1: like a yes sir yeah right away sir I'm sorry sir they don't want to Da-da-da. disappoint this guy yeah right yeah yeah and yeah. I don't know what to make of it yet.
3: Yeah.
0: It does feel like something happened to affect these people, right? That are,
2: they dealt with him somehow. That More than just blowing a hole in yeah. the wall and saying, I'm leaving. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. But I don't know. Yeah, I... I don't have anything, but I think I agree with you. It feels it feels like there's more there. Mm-hmm. Right. So he he's chancellor, he goes crazy, he's in there for two years. Something happens in those two years. He breaks out. Maybe like breaking out, they try to stop him and something happens. Maybe. Yeah. That also feels and maybe like, that's
1: why he's kind of like, don't lock people in, like yeah. to someone like Alder Wynn you know, he's going to resort to the same things I resorted to. Yeah. And people could get Somebody's going to get hurt.
0: Yeah. And that's the, I, advo- I don't know the advocate thing coming back. Right.
1: Yeah. That just came to me just now. Almost like I'm, I'm looking at before I looked at it from the sense of you got to take care of this guest, you know, Yeah. now I'm looking at, I was like, I'm looking out for you guys. Like I'm trying right. to protect you. I don't want the same thing to happen.
0: Right.
3: Hmm.
0: I also think, you know, he may have, there may have been a period because, so five years ago, you know, before Quoth started, he was the master, then two years locked away. There's three years there for some other stuff to happen. And I wonder if he still wasn't really well. We get hints, we, we highlighted these earlier when, when he was on the horns and I think when he was, when Quoth was on the horns and when he was uh, having his first interview, that the chancellor kind of makes a couple mistakes. W- one of the mistakes is he says, uh, all eight, eight of us nine. are here. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh, I mean, nine strike that nine of us. It makes me think that Elodin only was recently re-added. Right. Good so he's point. gotten into the habit yep. of it just being eight.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and he still has the, the, the extra half vote too, that he keeps counting, even though it's like, well, do we need that with nine people? We probably don't. Um, and so what, what did Alodin do in that time before he got added back? Right.
2: Yeah. Hmm. What did he do? Cool. Questions.
0: Well, We're asking yeah. a lot of questions and not answering them here, but yeah. that, it's been a lot of that with this series, man. There's a lot. I feel like he does a good job of obfuscating a lot of the stuff. There's, there's theories out there. If you go look, it's, it's interesting, you know, comparing it to a song of ice and fire. Which is you know where we <clears throat> where you and I started, um, you know the the online community for that is like it's slower now for sure, but it's vibrant comparatively, right? Like it's recent. People are still talking about it, posting stuff.
3: Yeah, most it's of the, yeah.
0: right, and very thorough. Most of the stuff for this book, the forums you find and things like that, they're posts from twenty fifteen and twenty thirteen, yeah. and they're older. And I wonder if the show, the Game of Thrones TV show. Kind of kept that revitalized
3: and Probably. without
0: that without that the Inkiller fandom is just kind of i don't want to say it's it doesn't exist but like it's just a little more dormant
3: yeah
1: right? dormant i like dormant it's not stale yeah it's it's dormant yep.
0: yeah 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 but there's a lot out there if you go look i mean
1: right some, some really stuff. good stuff yeah some great minds out there um yeah we do this to ourselves by picking book series that aren't finished. You know that. I love it. Yep. Here we are.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, um, I know we've got it. We had a couple more things on our list. Is there anything else you wanted to
2: cover? No, well, I think those are the more Some important more. things that we hit. Yeah. 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 Well, should we call this one? Let's what a great call little it. episode this has been? Let's call it. Let us call it. Um, okay.
1: Let's sign off. We'll sign off. All right, yeah. let's do it. I'll sign off with a, a quote. I believe it's from Quoth. Matt signing off reminding you that only fools and priests are never afraid.
2: Yeah. That's not true. And Bast, Fairly.
0: Uh, it's been in my head for the last two hours. Devi loan center. Devi loan center. Devi loan center. That's it. That's my sign off.
1: That's a great one. That's it's a great best one. one ever. Yep. Send it to her. <laughs> All right. Good night Thanks everybody, everybody for listening. Yeah. Bye. <laughs>